Ahoy, motherfuckers. Welcome to Hindsight. As always, I'm Derek, and I'm joined by the best in the business, Brandon. Uh, today, we are fortunate enough to be joined by two podcast luminaries, uh, Chanel and Jay. Um, now, let's go ahead and get this out the way first. Chanel, tell them something about yourself. Tell them something about your show. The floor is yours. Wow. First of all, I am a luminary. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm Chanel Creating. You can find me on all the socials across at Chanel Creating. And also my website is www.chanelcreating.com. Um, I just wrapped uh, the one and only season of Baby Babe, which is my recap of Flavor of Love season one. It was a wild ride. We had a lot of fun and I'm working on my next project now, TBD. But if you are interested in more, you can stay connected on patreon.com slash creating. So just hit me up and um, tell me why you believe in girl power on a all boys podcast and let's connect. That's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> so I do got a question for you. Yes. Um, back when Flavor of Love was a thing, Mm-hmm. And niggas were not at all stunned by the fact that Flavor Flav actually had women chasing after him on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. There was another show called um, Real Love. Is is that what it was called? Wh- who was it about? With Real and his brother. Like there oh, were two yeah. brothers. One had good hair and the other one had like a, a, a fade. But they were uh, two brothers who were, mm-hmm. they were on the show with New Chance York. Chance Real, yep. Real chance of love. Are mm-hmm. you going to do that one? Absolutely not. No, thank you. Um, <laughs> only because if you listen to all of Baby Babe, like I progressively get more and more frustrated by Flav and just him being on character all the time. So I've taken a break from those shows. I think my next project will be um, more improv based. So I have an improv podcast I'm working on. And then also I'm working on some writing stuff. So um, I'm kind of going to take a departure, but Flavor of Love was fun. It was like definitely a moment in time, but, um, or I might, I might, I also really like drama and all these other shows. So I, I would, if I did another recap, it would be something more current. Okay. I just, yeah. I just, I, I really do want to applaud you on a creative mind. Like a creative mind in a podcaster is literally one of the best fucking things in the world. Thank you so much. Oh, it's such a beautiful thing. So whatever you do, just let me know. I will be there I to watch it and enjoy it. Um, I know that you said the improv one was going to be more, uh lady like, base, like more yeah it's um it's it's like uh there's a bunch of improv podcasts out there for people who've done the improv school thing and mm-hmm. you know met all the white guys and they're all white or there are some like there's a troop called can't tell us nothing that's based out of houston they have a show they're great but like there's no kind of large form bringing different pocket different improvisers together thing that's black woman centric mm-hmm. so that's kind of the the pull for me is because a, a lot of improv comedy skews to white guy humor mm-hmm. and not a lot of imp- but if you look at you know and again let me stop myself because i'll go on a rant but if you listen to a lot of different podcasts with black people it, it we're improvising all the time without realizing it like two of my favorite improvisers mm-hmm. are Jesus and Mary who don't even know they're improvisers but that's all they're doing is like riffing and making shit up so um just kind of that idea of more humor where like you never hear improvisers who say nigga because they can't you know what I mean so like just this idea of uh playing more black characters in a black show so that's what I'm working on but as I told y'all it's been tough to get um people to understand the vision but mm-hmm. I'm not gonna give up on it for sure 
And I just want to um, send shots out to Brandon, my co-host, who constantly improvises on this show. He doesn't know shit about none of the movies we watch. He just makes it all up. He Wonderful. just makes this shit up. Like right now, Brandon, what you what you doing? Listening to her talk about improvising. It's See, that's off the top of his head right there. That's dope. No, that's my, my, man, my man is texting, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not texting. He's like, these niggas already talking I'm, too I'm much. reading about a sous-vide. Sous-vide, nigga. V. <laughs> sous-vide. Get bougie with a bitch. Sous-vide. That Say it with me, Brandon. Sous-vide. Sous-vide. Do one more time. I swear to God, I'll. I'll, I'll, I'll the I'll, tension I'll... between y'all is palpable. Every week, every <laughs> week. Jay, tell us something about the show. Tell us something about the show, fam. The floor is yours. Uh well, uh, first of all, thanks for having me on. Um, a little bit about me. Uh, hey, I'm just a movie fan, and I just love getting behind the microphone every so often, just talking about movies. Um, yeah. you can find me, of course, um, across all the socials. Um. Or either my personal page, The J Giles, or the movie page, J Movie Talk, um, TV Zone Podcast Network, where it's my podcast along with a few other podcasts as well. Um, like I say, you just find it wherever you listen to Hindsight. You can pretty much type in TV Zone Podcast Network and you can find me. I just want to say, since we're talking movies real quick, and Brandon has a show called Why So Serious, that is a movie podcast that we talk about newer movies on. My wife made me watch Boss Baby 2 yesterday. I'm not doing it. God damn it, I'm not doing it either. Son of a bitch, that was a horrible movie. And we watched Meet the Blacks Part 2. Oh my God. (laughs) I have never considered walking out of a theater i swear on my life and my i haven't always stuck through movies and i was texting like is it rude if i get up in the middle of this fucking movie and leave this theater i, cannot. I can't believe you walked in the movie <laughs> well yeah, for cat me- williams cat williams and fucking my couch you thought and, and that's exactly what i was saying it's gonna be uh. something magical and the first half of it was good but then there's movies where if you fall asleep and you wake up and nothing you ain't miss a thing that's not a good thing. And I fell asleep and I woke My up. My boy, fuck the crow, okay? Let's just go in on it. <laughs> this film was bad. I'm so sad. I can't even. Like, we walked in there because we're supporting, well, we've learned now, you can't support everybody black because some of these okay. niggas need to be stopped. Um, but the movie- Who at home is said, is this written by a person? Man, there's, a, there's one point where the newscaster- his whole face is made up, and then his hands are completely a different color. My wife was like, couldn't they afford the makeup for his hands? Like, what the fuck is this? Bad movie. Bad movie. I feel like that was a, ref- a Chappelle show reference, but it didn't make sense to me. Because they didn't take time to flesh anything out. Okay, that's what it was. Oh, and then, okay, yeah, there was just a random, like, there's a, Cat Williams is a pimp, but a ghost vampire pimp, which, not a bad no. premise necessarily, but then there's this thing where from a, the, across the street, people are able to catch ghost orgasms. And it was a very awkward, or just like the, watching this la- white Latino woman at, like come in the middle of the living room. And I was just like, what are, mm-hmm. what, what was, how was this written? I want to see how it was written out in the script. It was a thing. It, it happened. Brandon, we're never going to talk about this again. I'm not, um, listen. The fact that they I had saw, callbacks in the second movie to the first movie, than, like we watched the first movie, was just it made me mad. Was is it worse than, than is it worse than Superfly? 
Uh, you mean the one that we saw? Yeah. Can't be. Uh, no, because the first half of this movie was actually funny. Like Little Duvall and Mike Epps have a great have they a do. great chemistry together and their shit was funny now they did use ableist slurs a lot throughout the movie and i wasn't good with that and anti-african right because michael blackson was in it and they made sure to make fun of him over and over again it wasn't cute okay they did have one line though that i took away with me where look like you know mike Epps was like i'm tired of you get out of here and and little duvall was like we family he's like we're not family you're just my cousin who fucks up a lot and needs my help and he was like that's family and i was like you got me <laughs> you got i can't me. be wrong i can't be mad at that yeah so Overall, no, it's not worse than uh, Superfly, which I still believe is the only movie that I ever gave a, um, no, it's not. I gave a lot of zeros. I gave a lot of zeros. I think I gave Superfly a three, though. But, but Superfly, Superfly's got double the rating on Rotten Tomatoes of this movie. But Superfly also has a Snow Patrol. So, All right, so you know yeah. what? I'm still not going to see it. Nope. No, no. Even if it's on Netflix, I was just like, you know, we have Regal Unlimited and our shit's free and we're going to end up seeing, we watched the, we watched the forever purge. So before that, we're like, yeah, I'm going to see that tomorrow. We'll talk about it. Um, and so before that, I was like, we'll watch, you know, Meet the Blacks Part 2 because it's there and it's not going to be here much longer. We could tell about a number of showings I have, which was literally like 12 p.m. and then 7 o'clock p.m. When there's a gap like that between movies, your shit's about to get shut down. So we watched it. It happened. There was nobody else in the theater. I could have made out with my wife. I missed opportunities. I'm mad at myself. I'm mad you went to see it. I'm mad I didn't get to make out with my wife. You're mad about little things. I didn't have to pay for the shit. And if I had asked for my money back, they would have given it to me. So You paid for it with gas and time. Two things you can't get back. Live directly two blocks away from We Walked. I can get a refund. I can't get that time back. Yeah, I feel you. I mean, but I got credit points for getting a free movie. I got a credit point towards Black Widow. But you know what? Neither here oh. nor there. See? It's all good in it. Yeah, it it's works. It works. So before we begin the actual movie that we're here to see, I just want to remind y'all that this entire month, this is the 50th fucking episode of Hindsight, motherfuckers. Represent. Burr, 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 burr. Burr, burr, burr. Also, for the 50th episode, we have seen some shit. We have seen Dead Heist. We have seen Home Alone. We have seen Problem Child. We have seen uh, Dead Heist. We have seen uh, Leprechaun in the Hood. We have seen People Under the Stairs. We have seen Elf. And I feel like it is time. Hold on. Elf was good. Bitch, the only good part of Elf was when that nigga got hit by the car. We both no. talked about that. Don't no, play. The I funniest said, part no, of that movie I is when he got hit by the fine. car. We, no, I said Elf was fine. You I, didn't like Elf. I said the MVP of Elf was the fucking taxi cab that hit that nigga when he <laughs> you was walking across the street. Christmas movies. That's not right. <laughs> Elf was fine. It was cool. It was cool. It was a thing. It was just a no, generational thing. You're talking about bad movies. You need to talk about like Dead Heist, that Chung Lee movie. Those are Dr- bad Double movies. Dragon. Double Double, Double Dragon. Dragon. Those yeah. are bad movies. Yeah, we watched Double Dragon. That was a thing. But now we're at a month of movies uh, that I can only call my favorite movie month. Like, I, I deserve this. Brandon, you need to just go ahead and put together your own favorite movie month because I'm too busy. Um, so this week we're talking about The Crow. Next week we're talking Snatch. 
The week after that, we're talking about Leon the Professional. The week after that, we're talking Scott Pilgrim versus the motherfucking world. And we're closing it off with the Princess Bride. But here we are right now, standing over a dusty, dingy, dirty Detroit that just looks, this movie looks like it stinks. Okay. So first <laughs> off, I'm from Detroit. Let's just start with that. I need y'all to know that. Uh-oh. And when they said double man, I said, oh, what's, because I've never seen this movie. Like, oh my God. <laughs> Wait, before you get started, let's do that. Okay. This was the first time you saw this movie. Me too. This is the first time Brandon saw this movie, Jay. I saw it at the movie theater. God damn it, me too. Okay. <laughs> so great divide. So Jay, when you first saw this movie, what were your thoughts? <sighs> well, I mean, shoot, what nine years old seeing this movie. I went with my sister. Um, she was a huge Brandon Lee fan. She was sad when he died. Mm-hmm. And just a quick story, real quick. So her oldest son, my oldest nephew, she named him Brandon after Brandon Lee. Right. That's deep. but yeah. So seeing seeing this movie, I mean, I was I was in awe because I had never really watched a movie like this mm-hmm. because it has a whole gothic type of vibe to it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's it's always been one of those movies I watch like every so often, mm-hmm. and I still love it. It's it's one of my favorites. So Me too. yeah. This movie came out in 94. I was 14. And I didn't see it when it came to the regular movie theater. But for y'all young niggas out there, first of all, thank you for listening. Second of all, why the fuck are you listening? Third of all, leave a review. Um, There was this mythical thing in the 90s called a dollar theater. Where after the movie had been out for like four weeks, they tended to the dollar theater and you could pay a buck to get in the movie theater. A nigga couldn't afford the regular theater, but I had $5, so I went and saw The Crow five days in a row. And I can tell you right now that being, I felt like I was immersed in a world that I never, I knew nothing about. The gothic, emo, dark world that they were in. Nigga, I'm from South Sacramento. I'm, 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 I, I live with bloods and, 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 and there's crypts up the block and and the cops is out there and spray paint and all this kind of shit and i didn't know shit about emo i didn't know shit about goth and this was just like an eye opener i don't even know how my homeboy was like yo let's go to the movies and this is the only thing i was showing and i went in there and it felt like watching the rocky horror picture show i was like this is something so i went back and watched it over and over again um and just loved it loved the action um at that point in time i loved the storyline um, I thought that the, the characters were larger than life as far as the villains in the movie. Um, and then I watched it again last night. And that's where we come to Chanel and Brandon, who are probably going to say the same thing that I'm thinking now. Chanel, yesterday was your first time seeing this movie. You're from Detroit. Let's go. Um I'm okay with just being an asshole this whole episode because I do not have these feelings that you're expressing about this film. <laughs> I am not like, but like I feel like the goths are watching this like, what the fuck is this shit? This is not how we, we do not blood rave this way, you know? Um, okay, first of all, that was not Detroit. I just want you to tell y'all, they took the concept of Detroit, that did not look or feel, it just was inauthentic. So 
I shouldn't bring that to the filming to this filming because it's not relevant. But no, it, it is. Throwing me is off. This, no, this is exactly what we do. This is what we do. So go for it. Yeah, I was just like, Ugh, like this is kind of throwing me off. But Devil's Night is definitely a thing. So that was the first thing. Then they mentioned like Erie. So I eventually realized. And then they called somebody a Motor City motherfucker or whatever. I was like, okay, Detroit. So because I wouldn't have known it if they hadn't said it. Um, the film was a movie. <laughs> and it's hard to make movies and that is i want to give them their accolades on that it's hard to make a movie from oh, start that to is finish. nice of you i don't i never heard of brandon lee before because i'm a young nigga um i kept thinking is this does this guy trying to be heath ledger so i don't know if that's disrespectful <laughs> or not um the villains were good the villains were believable very pre-blade um, the bad guys though, like they were very campy. Yes. Um, was not in love with them. And uh the concept itself, I had to just say, okay, fine. Yeah, pretty much. It I had to was, say, let's do this. It was literally, first of all, Brandon Lee is Bruce Lee's son. Uh, yeah. So when Bruce Lee died oh. and then Brandon Lee died, they were mm. like, Okay, the curse of Bruce Lee keeps going. So it was like Ooh, in the 90s before Google or anything. It was like, ooh. It, I mean, I feel like then the hand-to-hand combat could have been better in the movie. That's not... Yeah, no. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely <sighs> right. Yeah, so, Brandon, I'm scared to let you talk. Yeah. <laughs> Why? I, I enjoyed um, WCW Monday Nitro. God damn it. <laughs> it, was a, it was a really good episode of Nitro. I saw yeah, a lot of sting. <laughs> a whole lot of sting. You know, he made some comebacks on Eric Bischoff. There's a lot of stuff going on in this film. And I mean, I really enjoyed it. Oh, my God. So um, I'm already crying. This is going to be some bullshit. Vince McMahon was Latin in this one. Oh, shit. So he had terrible, terrible skin. As Chanel said, Devil's Night is a real thing. Um, And I don't know if it happens everywhere. But it definitely did happen in Detroit for a fucking 30, 30 year stretch. And I mean, God damn, come on, Detroit. Mm-hmm. For 30 mm-hmm. fucking years, y'all, from the 60s to the, the 90s. Fuck up. We turned the fuck up. 60s to the 90s, every year on October 30th, motherfuckers will burn Detroit to yeah. the ground. Purge, we're a bitch. <laughs> we already got the purge. What you need? And, and so y'all had an angel's night to combat the devil's night. Mm-hmm. What the churches. Fuck. Mm-hmm. That's the fucking weakest name possible. Oh, I didn't and, name it, but I take offense. I mean, I just feel like Angels Night is a really fe- weak fucking name. They could have done better. Like, bitch, I wish you would, Night. <laughs> but they weren't because they were hiding on Devil's Night. You can't be, bitch, I wish you would, Night, if you're literally locking yourself in the house on Devil's Night and then coming out later to be like, hey, guys. Oh, I thought this out. was like, I thought this was like the guardian angels walking through a town like, bitch, I got you. Try and burn this. And mm, mm. No, no, it's just to com- like to kind of combat and, and balance it out. It wasn't like a war- head-to-head warfare. Like, it wasn't like the angels of the night and the angels of the dark. It was just, uh, let's try to clean up the community after they trash it. Oh, man. I am disappointed. I really yeah. thought something different. They were um, swallowing up? No. <sighs> okay. So, The Crow is a movie about a guy who was murdered trying to save his fiance, and the fabled crow, who is supposed to transport him from the land of the living to the land of the dead, was like, fam, you really gonna go out like that? <laughs> so, instead of letting him go to the land of the dead, he let him stick around. And I, I'm not mad at either one of them, because honestly, I would have wanted revenge too if I had been shot, stabbed, and thrown out of a window 
after watching my beloved fiance get attacked and assaulted by a group of villains. Fair. Which, again, there's no delineation. There's no confusion about which side each side is on. The fucking good guy is Eric Draven and, and Albright and Sarah. And mm-hmm. the, everybody else is fucking horrible, including the cops. Um, Shelly Webster and Eric Draven... Uh, Eric was a rock star and Shelly, they never say what her job was. She was just a murder bait, was supposed to be married on Halloween, uh, but they got murdered on Devil's Night. Um, and so when they see, when they, when the cops first arrived to the, the crime scene where Shelly Webster has been killed and Eric Draven's been literally shot, stabbed and thrown out of a goddamn window, that's a fucked up combination. Mm-hmm. Um, but when they get to the crime scene, Detective Torres, who's the other awful person in this movie, arrives there and he's pissed that they moved Shelly to try and get her into the ambulance. And so he asks Officer Albright, who's the good guy, he asks mm-hmm. her if she's the victim. And Albright's like, no, she's Amelia Earhart. And Torres is like, I don't care what her name is. I didn't give the order to move her. Like, what the fuck, bro? Like, this is what we working? You're also bearing a lead on who Albrecht is. His this is Oh no, I'm not. Dick oh no, oh no, 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 okay. I'm not. No, I'm not. This all marries into the end because mm-hmm. and I'll just do it now since you said it. Detective Albright is played by Ernie Hudson, who also plays Warden Leo Glenn in Oz from Return to Oswald fame. And my thought is after he went through all this shit with Torres, he went and became a warden of a fucking facility. He was a much better person here. As a cop, he was he wasn't as grizzled yet. His <laughs> brother hadn't murdered somebody and asked him to cover it up. Listen, I I can support this guy a little yeah. bit. Yeah, that that dude on eyes. So, uh, as they're transporting Shelly and putting her into the ambulance, Sarah skateboards up. Sarah's a little white girl whose mom is a fucking morphine addict. Uh, so Sarah has literally like nobody watching her. So she literally is a child of the night. She just skateboards throughout the night and mm-hmm. always ends up at Shelly at uh, Shelly and Eric's house because they live in a loft downtown. Right. And I guess they're nice people who are just like, we're going to adopt you like our little sister or whatever. I don't really know if <laughs> I'm a parent and my kid is like, I'm going to two fucking grown ups houses every night. Wait, where? I mean, I'm not high all the time. And when I come down <laughs> once, it's like, whose house? Y'all had a pillow fight? Y'all had a pillow fight? He tickled <laughs> you where? Nah. Nah, it's late. It's devil's night. Sit your happy ass down. I got to go to work. <laughs> Don't leave. Matter of fact, here, have an egg. Over easy. <laughs> um, but she shows up and and she asks Albright if if Shelly's gonna be okay he tells her yes she's like bitch you lied to her and you lying to me she's gonna die and he's like okay you can cry on my shoulder so now they're best friends it takes a year for Eric to come back from the dead mm-hmm. how long does revenge take really like right well it's like they want they had like the crow is a messy bitch and she's like, look, we got to wait until the time is right. We got to strike them when they about to get somebody. We can't get them in the winter or in the summer. No, it needs to be the night. So they will all remember what happened a year ago. 
That's true, except for the fact that they're all like, I didn't do shit when yeah. he's about to kill him. I don't even know who the fuck you are. No, no. what happens is it's worse than that. They begging for their life, and then and then he's like, okay, maybe I'll let you go. And then they talk shit immediately. That is a, over and over again. Shit. Yes. That is an overlying theme in this fucking movie, and I took notes on that shit. Yeah. Um, so Sarah pulls up on her skateboard a year later to Maxi Dogs, where Officer Albright is teaching Mickey, the owner, how to prepare a hot dog, mansplaining. Let me tell you, the owner, how to do a fucking hot dog. And the only thing is, I feel where he's coming from. Like, the bun gets dry. Put the much on the bottom and the top. I'm big on the using the race card, and I feel like if a black man wants to tell the white man, then that's just how it is happening. And you see, Mickey did it, and then he was like, "You still ain't doing it right, Whitey. Give me that and, fucking and he, mustard." And he, he hung his head in shame, and that's how the world should be. <laughs> Probably saying. Like... <laughs> and he was like, "Now give me them goddamn onions. Give me some more onions." Yeah, that's he was like, "Don't be do stingy. <laughs> Don't be stingy, bitch. Give me the motherfucking <laughs> onions." Energy. And so Sarah pulls up and. Uh, Albright is like, yo, do you want, are, are, are you hungry? And she's like, are you buying? And he's like, yeah, I'm buying. So he's like, do you want a hot dog? And she's like, yeah, but don't put any onions on it because that makes you fart big time. And they go, ah! <laughs> like, it's just a great, a great right? line. <laughs> onions do not make you fart big time. Also, the way she said it was a big time. Um, the next line is classic to me. Did you know the Lake Erie once caught on fire from all the crap floating around in it? I wish I could have seen that. Then the motherfucker whistles, snaps, waves his fingers below his neck, and they start destroying a goddamn arcade. Why are y'all breaking up an arcade? Also, why is the arcade literally named Arcade Games? <laughs> well, you know. So that you will know. That's what, you know, it's better than just arcade. At least they added games. <laughs> but... Why go in there and destroy everything inside the arcade if you're setting a bomb to blow up the arcade? I would like to jump in here. I was thinking about the fact that we're obsessed with this idea of purging and beating shit up and ruining it. And I just wish that people would just admit that they want to live in chaos. Like, it just really feels like chaos energy. Like, I just want to do what I just want to smash things. And in a way, I envy people who are just like, fuck it, let's smash it. Who I just want to watch things burn. Yeah, like, that's kind of, I'm kind of intrigued. And I mean, that's T-Bird's thing. T-Bird's thing is arson. Um, at the same time they're doing this, Eric climbs out of his grave. He's been there for a year, but his face and body are no worse for wear. There's no maggot scars or, or holes in his cheekbone or anything like that. And his clothing is still on. Like I thought clothing rotted away after a year. I'm not quite sure how that works. Um, can, you, can you please repeat the line that he gave when he came out there? Yeah, yeah thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Worm food, smurm food. You know what I'm saying? Um, the fellas are zooming down the street. They go past, uh, they see Officer Albright, so they slow down. Like they didn't just set a fucking bomb <laughs> in the arcade down the block. And so the arcade go- blows up, and um, then they, they all disperse. The fellas are T Bird, Fun Boy, Tintin, and Skank. Skank. Classic crew, right? If I'm not hanging out with a motherfucker named Skank, that's that's a rule. <laughs> I can't do it. Like Skank, I don't know. We'll get to him in a second. The crow 
Eric Draven is stumbling through a fucking rainy ass alleyway and the crow's leading him places like it's dangerous to go alone take this and he leads him to a fucking dumpster with with boots in it so he puts on boots um and then he leads him to a ladder that lead that leads a rooftop access to his old apartment um and his cat gabriel is there so he bends down to pet gabriel and he gets a vision of when gabriel scratched him because cats are fucking assholes how so gabriel's just White Alive as after a year. snow, right? Surviving on the sixth floor mm-hmm. of a closed door. The door was closed. Didn't none of the cops think we should take this cat with us? I mean, ASPCA? Something? Mm, come on. It's a cat in the 90s. <laughs> He's very resourceful. I love how that's actually an explanation. <laughs> that actually works. So the crow and the cat are now best friends. They're just hanging out. Um, and he also has a vision of the day that he died, which is when T-Bird and his cronies ran up in his spot with a petition that Shelly had drafted about the apartment being a slum trap. Uh, for her making that petition, they destroy her belongings and sexually assault her. And T-Bird reads Paradise Lost to her abashed the devil stood and felt how awful goodness is saw virtue in her shape how lovely called the pornography eric walks in she says help me eric he's about to go help her until 10 10 turns around and throws a fucking knife in his chest um then 10, see you see ya and then 10 10 assaults her and they all get close up so their faces as shelly calls out to eric um Eric pulls the knife out of his chest and is still moving. Tintin looks, or uh, T-Bar looks over and is like, yo, he's still alive. So he whistles and Tintin, fun boy, and Skank lift him up and drag him over to the window where he gets shot twice, once in the heart and once in the lung. He's still alive. So they throw him out the goddamn window. And they're all looking down at him like the fucking deadly Viper assassination squad in Kill Bill. Uh... Eric mimicked every single atrocity that was done to him that night. And then when he goes to the part where he gets thrown out the window, he jumps and grabs a window pane, which has broken glass on it. And he swings himself up. The broken glass cuts into his hands, the deep ass cut, but the scars heal. So this is a year later. Yep. And they still haven't cleaned up the crime scene. They closed the entire fucking apartment complex. They just said, you know, you know. It and it's a beautiful ass Victorian house. Yeah, they sprinkled some crack on it and said, look, this is a crime scene. Okay, and laughed. But that's what I'm saying. Like that, a loft like that, like there was no sign of disrepair. So I'm mm-hmm. just confused about this whole concept. Because Sarah walked in, like she had to pull fucking boards off the door because they had a ball boarded up. But inside, it looked just like anybody else's house. Yeah. Okay, I want to talk about the the sexual assault aspect of this and how mm-hmm. unnecessary it is totally unless because devil's night is purely about burning shit down and so i just love how people like shoehorn in a sexual assault as if it's just a part of going around smashing up arcades and it's like y'all just it's all of it's a facade for y'all to be sexual sadists like i just need to know Mm-hmm. If, if it's all about this just so you can rape a woman every every year you know what i mean like it was just unnecessary and i feel like they added in just to make it like they're already bad guys you know what i mean mm-hmm. you don't need the rape and 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 i've been reading a book for ratchet book club called the cartel where mm-hmm. i've noticed that every single woman in the book is less 
it, 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 they're not as completely written as the men as far as a purpose or a drive mm-hmm. or anything like that. And in this movie, it's the same thing in that Shelly was not given a job. She wasn't given anything except she's a vessel for Eric's revenge. Like, mm-hmm. and that is literally one of the laziest pieces of writing that you can do. But to add in that, to make him feel even more aggrieved like her getting beaten and 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 killed right. and and their their apartment being completely destroyed and him being shot stabbed and thrown out of a window wasn't enough you have to have all these guys assault mm-hmm. her sexually mm-hmm. assault her while she calls for help so i did think like when i was a kid that didn't hit me as much but when mm-hmm. i saw it this time it was really like ooh like okay it's just um, unnecessary and 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 went on for too long um, the close-ups was completely unnecessary. Triggering. Uh, watching all of them. Yes, if you're if you're a a a person who survivor, is survive, yeah. if you're a survivor and you're watching this and you're not aware that this happened, it would completely just knock you for a loop because the way that they did it was literally a point of view type camera view, and so that's disgusting in itself. Yeah, I like I I do agree with how you describe how they wrote Shelly because one thing I did notice was she talked like this, like she mm-hmm. talked like in a whisper, and it was just, oh my god, I love you so much, Eric. Like that was all she said. It's like, mm-hmm. oh my god, like it was just like she wasn't real. She was a fairy who was just there to love on him and and be perfect, and that's why it was sad because she was perfect. And I'm just like, guys, and even since we're having this conversation right now, even Darla, uh, Sarah's mom. Mm-hmm did not have a clear voice in this movie other than to be a vessel for fun boy. Like she even gave away mm-hmm. her rights to her child. She had no tether to her child at all. Her whole job was to be fun boy's girlfriend. And there's a scene mm-hmm. that happens in a little bit where um, they're all at the bar and Darla goes up to the guys who are hooping and hollering and all that. And she's like, yo, here's your shooters. Calm down with all that and put your guns away. And while she's making out with fun boy, because they don't listen to her, he just makes out with her. And, and, and Tintin, the black guy, literally leans over and licks her on her goddamn shoulder, which is one of the nastiest fucking things I've ever Disgusting. seen. To a waitress in the Milver shift. And nobody says, yo, dude, get the fuck off. Or <laughs> even her boyfriend doesn't say, yo, dude, get the fuck off. Like nothing happens. Happens. Well, nobody all perverts exactly and nobody's protecting the women in this film uh except for eric the white knight um let me see like i said t-bird and his guys are at the bar these motherfuckers are playing a game called swallow a bullet <sighs> i googled this because i wasn't quite sure Mm-hmm. You should not ever swallow a bullet. Please don't. It's going to tear your intestines apart, honey. Lead poisoning. You know, they say it in rap songs, but it's a real thing. This is how you would get lead poisoning, by swallowing a bullet and oh. chasing it with a shooter. So <laughs> they each take a I turn. was just imagining shitting it out, and I was like, that's going to be rough. Like, that was all I could. <laughs> that's as far as I got with why it was bad. You know, you got to. I, I thought about that. But then I thought before I shit it out, it's going into my stomach acid and gunpowder and stomach acid is it's probably going to blow a hole through your stomach. Yikes. Well, they were going to die anyway. (laughs) They just didn't know it yet. So they toss bullets in the air. They're catching it and putting cigars out on their tongue and all this fire it up shit, which is where Buster Rhymes got fired up. 
I don't know if y'all knew that, but this is literally where he got fired up from, from his song. Like, what y'all want to do? But I'm not, I'm not coming through. Everybody in the crowd say, fire it up, fire it up. It's when tell you- Tell me you're joking. No, he made a song called Fire It Up. Right, but tell me you're joking about this is where he got it from. It has to be. I've never oh, heard Lord. this phrase anywhere else. And he also took the the uh, Knight Rider theme song as the background for that. So, twofer. Um, T-Bird lays the bullet on his tongue, swallows it straight, uh, then takes his shot, then puts out a fucking cigar on his tongue. And then Skank is about to go. 1010 stops him and takes his shot. And then he turns to 1010. He says, pussies go last, man. And 1010, or uh, Skank takes his gun out and points it at 1010. And Fun Boy takes his gun out and points it at, um, at Skank. And Tintin takes his knife out and puts it to Skank's throat. And everybody's about to kill Skank. And then uh, T-Bird is like, yo, this gun's fucking loaded. And he points it at everybody. And they're in a crowded ass bar. And then they not all a, stop. Not a peep. Not a peep out of any other patrons. None. Fire it up. Fire <laughs> it up. Um, so after, we, after that, we see more of um, Eric's visions with Shelly. And then he paints his face up to look like a clown. Um, and dresses all in black as one of the greatest songs of all time plays in the background. I'm sorry. I've always loved Burn by The Cure. And this is the reason why. I think it's because it got driven in my head. But at the same time, as you sit there, it's just such a beautiful scene uh, when he gets dressed and pets Gabriel and then stands in front of the broken mirror as the crow lights on his shoulder. And they show his silhouette as Burn plays. I just really, that always... Um, takes me back to where I was as a kid when mm -hmm. I see it. Jay, you're real quiet. No, I'm just waiting to a certain point. Oh, God, I'm scared <laughs> to know what it is. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, next we go to see Gideon, whose Gideon's whole problem is this motherfucker cannot shut the fuck up. Bitch, there's rules to the game. Rule number one, if you can't fight, stop talking shit. Listen. He, <laughs> he talks shit to everybody. I worse. literally beg, like you said, begged for his life and then said, Oh, that's what I thought. That's what the sir, I spared you. Please don't kill me. Please don't kill me. All right, I won't kill you. <laughs> Fuck, Fuck you, then, bitch. you white faced bitch. <laughs> ten ten is trying to shit on me. Shit on me. What is that catchphrase? He was uh, shit it's, on it's me. His shit thing. On me. <laughs> it's his thing. Uh SNI Shies. SNI Shies is how they say it in German. Um oh, so man. Gideon is uh, trying to is at the pawn shop and Tintin is trying to sell him stolen goods, including a purse with blood on it. So Gideon offers him fifty dollars for the lot because he's an awful person as well. Now here's the important part to me and Jay, I didn't catch this when I was a kid, but thank you Google, I caught it now. Tintin calls him a child molesting. I caught that part. Mm -hmm. Calls him a child molesting sacrifice. Motherfucker. I meant to look that yeah. up. <laughs> a saprophyte is a plant, fungus, or microorganism that lives on dead or decaying organic matter. Now watch this. This motherfucker put out an extremely nuanced put down because Gabriel is living off dead or decaying organic matter because he owns a pawn shop and is getting most of his stuff from people who were killed or hurt. That means their body is either dead or decaying, making him a saprophyte motherfucker. Oh my God. 
<laughs> right? It's crazy. Damn, some bars. <sighs> Do we cover the child molester part, or we're just gonna? Oh no, we we already got that as a we took that as a as a yes. Assuming that is, that is what it is. Okay, that sucks. That's I mean, anybody who says shit on me. Yeah. <laughs> That's his, that's, right. his, uh, that's his Uber Eats order. Yeah, he's like that's his, he go that's his regular. <laughs> Do you have any special requests? Shit on me. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's gross. He played the hell out of that role though. He did. He did. Your order's gonna be ten minutes late. Shit on me. Yeah, I just like so, what? How did we get to this being the phrase? So ten ten uh, leads out and closes up the gate behind him real good, master. And the crow follows. 1010 10 down the street while dead souls by nine inch nails plays. They keep calling me. Mm, sorry. Um, and Eric finds 1010 10 stopping to light a cigarette over one of those barrel fires. You know, the ones you never see in fucking real life. Oh my God. <laughs> the fact that he put his little lips up to light the cigarette was too much. I'm like, I've been around for a while and I've never seen never a barrel seen fire it. in my entire life. And I don't even want to see one already. I, I want to see it lit. Like, what exactly do you put into these mm-hmm. barrels so then they burn fucking forever? Mm-hmm. What are they doing? Like, if I put, I, one day I'm going to retell the story when I almost burned down my mama's house trying to burn newspapers in the backyard. But what are they doing to keep this? Is this burning? An eternal flame. Sorry. What the hell was that? That's that's the song Eternal Flame by the Bangles. Hmm. Is this a music podcast? Because I sometimes I'm impressed. Sometimes. Anyhow, Eric finds Tintin and Tintin thinks he's a fucking crackhead. It tells him that Halloween is not until manana. Meanwhile, Tintin is dressed up like fucking Booker T. <laughs> <laughs> chest out i love that i love a chest out in a rainstorm i got my chest out he had a vest on honey a vest and a fucking duster and <laughs> you dressed up like gi bro yes he was you know when blade came out he was mad as fuck oh my god and so Tintin gets his ass whooped and tries to throw knives at Eric again which eric brushes away like flies and then he catches one knife in midair and stabs Tintin with it and then I'm he- sorry, hold on. I mentioned improv earlier. There is an improv game where you literally pretend to throw a knife at someone and you catch it in your hand huh. and say, not today. It's like you're supposed to be like an action hero. And I was like, he literally did the not today. He caught that shit in both hands, turned it around and threw it back. And I was like, oh. like That's- I was just, it was dope, but also That's very dope. corny. <laughs> 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 sorry to interrupt, but I was like, whoa. So but also, t- too, but real, real quick, it, when he's throwing the knives at her and Eric is telling him, try harder. <laughs> like, really? Like, right? wait a minute. <laughs> I would stop. I'd be like, because your first line was, I'd like you to meet two of my friends. We never miss. Well, bitch, you had to throw three of them because you missed twice. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. At this juncture, I'm like, you know what? Can we talk? You yeah. and me? <laughs> you, you just, you're literally karate blocking away my knives, bro. Can we talk for a second? Who are you? It's Who like they you? say, if you say let's fight and the nigga starts stretching and cracking his neck, you should just say, you know what? I think we got off with the wrong fit here. <laughs> nigga hitting the high kick that hits his face yeah. and he's stretching and shit. Nah, I'm good. I'm good. You also, can have my the, the, the face that he makes when, when Eric catches knife, he's like, oh shit. Too late. <laughs> it's too late to apologize. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> so after Eric's- he after he gave his villain monologue about how much he likes killing. Mm. Yeah, it's 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 okay. easy and it's fun. After that's after because again, overlying theme in, in this movie, villains do not know when to shut the fuck up. He's like apologize for calling Shelly a bitch and he's like I don't know you and he's like oh yeah I shanked her and she loved it and nigga what what like he literally just threw you from a mm-hmm. rainy scene into a dry scene <laughs> <laughs> he threw you onto another set my nigga just shut the fuck up and take the L but nope he gets stabbed and then Eric decorates the wall with his blood takes his coat and fucking dips T. Burton skank. Next thing that happens is they go to the club, and it's probably fucking called the club. I don't, I don't, I don't fucking know. Um, and as they're walking through the club, I thought this was Courtney Love, but it's actually a woman called Robin Guthrie and Medicine. Uh, they're performing a song called "Time Baby 3, which would have been a really great, great name for the club. Um, and Skank goes to the bar to order some of that over there. Oh, from a bartender, I'm like, fuck you, bro. Give me that, that over there. Mm-mm. And T-Bird goes to talk to Grange, who's played by the Candyman himself, Tony Todd. Uh, Grange is telling some ladies to come by later and check me out. And um, T-Bird tells him about arcade games going boom. Grange tells him that he's on for the next day. And he's like, y'all need to talk to the man. And he's like, well, he's in a meeting. And the meeting is where... um, Cut to a naked bitch. We cut to a naked motherfucker who is the... Okay, let's talk about Top Dollar real quick or whatever his name is. <laughs> this nigga's supposed to be the main villain in the movie, but in reality, he's just a weirdo with long hair and a pretty inappropriate relationship with his half-sister, who I think is a witch. Mm-hmm. Very accurate. Um, She's popping people's eyeballs out their skulls and roasting them in a bowl of fire, and he's snorting the smoke up, and they're all just, woo! And, and- They have a plate of cocaine. It's all his, too. A healthy helping of cocaine, just on a plate. Double serving. Mm -hmm. Hey, hey, can I get that cocaine double covered and smothered? So they get a picture of her in the shower, and she moves her hair out the way so we can see the tattoo, which I have no fucking idea what that tattoo was. Mm -mm. Um, The things I came up with were were a phoenix, an ant, and a fireball. Those are all the three things I came up with in literally 27 years of seeing this movie. Depending on how high I was when the movie was on. Anyway, she comes out and Top Dollar tells her that their father, just to solidify that they're siblings, because she comes out tying up her robe, um, their father gave him a snow globe and told him that childhood was over once you know you're going to die, which is really harsh shit to say to a five-year-old. Also, what the fuck does a snow globe have to do with you facing your mortality as a fire? Well, so inside the snow globe is a cemetery. Oh, it was? I didn't, I wasn't yes. sure. <laughs> so he gave him a cemetery globe and literally said, I'm going to end your childhood for you. Here you go. <laughs> You're going to die, bitch. Yeah. Also, period. did he and his half sister have a threesome with this dead woman who's on the bed? And how right? the fuck did she die? <sighs> 
Is that rhetorical? Because <laughs> these are questions. Like, how did she die? They, she's like, is she sleeping? And he said, I think we broke her. And then they turn her over to see one one white titty. And then she leans over to her. She's not shocked at all that this woman's dead. She knows what she did to this woman. And she's like, her eyes, pretty. And grabs a fucking curvy ass knife and poops that eye out the goddamn socket. The answer is it's Detroit. <laughs> he said that out loud, Chanel. I'm going to give you a moment. The other signs that it's not Detroit is the fact that all the head people are white. That's what I was wondering. Like, where the fuck are the black people in Detroit? Later on, they have like a council of criminals and there's one nigga. I'm like, y'all, this is not filmed here. This is not filmed here. Not, y'all took Devil's Night and then transplanted it because this is not... I, I really do want to look to see where it was done because, yeah, no, there was an absolute lack of black people yeah, in like this movie. Everyone's white, no. except the cop. In the nineties, was this Top is on... Dollar supposed to be? Was he supposed to be black? I mean, the name Top Dollar—that don't sound like no white dude. It do. You right? <laughs> Especially if it's dollar for a. <laughs> what a <laughs> Top Dollar. <laughs> Dollar dollar bill. If it's, top, if it's top dollar, that sounds pretty white to me. But if no, it's top dollar, about... yeah. Maybe it's on the it's maybe it's on the um on the you know, I watched Eight Mile uh, not Eight too mile. long ago. And in the final rap battle, the guy I mean in the second rap battle, the guy says you go on the other side of eight mile to the trailer park. So maybe that's where it was at. Hey Brandon, I'd like to speak to you after this is over, if that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> also, also, just just a side note. Eight Mile is one of the best movies that fall into the category of you only need to see the last eight minutes of it. It is a category that is also including he got served, <laughs> breaking, <laughs> and electric boogaloo. Oh, and above the rim. Oh, God. So, quick story about 8 Mile. I saw that at the movie theater. And I saw it late at night. I saw the beginning and the end. I fell asleep. (laughs) I fell asleep and I woke up when it was time for the last rap battle. Then you got the best of both worlds. Like, (laughs) you didn't miss shit. I mean, you might have missed a little bit of background information about Cheddar Bob shooting himself. But Uh other than that, like, you're good. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't actually see the whole movie until it was on. I want to say MTV, maybe. He was like, "Oh, that's Clarence." Oh, okay. <laughs> so uh, the next thing that happens is that Sarah goes to the pit where her mom is. That's Captain America. Get it right. Oh, Captain America. Okay, get it actually, right. Actually, his name is Black Falcon, according to the little boy <laughs> in the Falcon <laughs> and the Winter Soldier. <laughs> Are you Black Falcon? Are is your name Black Little Kid? Like, <laughs> he had time to come up with that response. Um, Sarah goes to the pit and she chides Darla for not coming home and generally being a shitty ass mom. Uh, Darla tries to give her some money to go get something to eat. And Sarah tells Darla somebody already bought her dinner, the police. And I don't know if that was supposed to shame Darla because we didn't get a chance because Fun Boy came right behind and was like, Somebody already bought me dinner, the police. Bitch, you're not gonna talk to my child like that. Okay. I think it was supposed to scare Fun Boy. Like, hey, y'all are doing illegal shit. I know y'all aren't good guys. I'm cool with the police. So 
that kind of thing. That was how I took it. Oh yeah, me too. But you know what? Mm-hmm. This is my daughter. What you're not gonna do? I don't give a fuck if I leave her at home by herself until the cows come home. When she's in my presence, what we're not gonna do is you make fun of her in front. No, nah, the mom is scandalous, but we already know that. Like she's literally, she doesn't stop making out with the dude to tell her daughter to scram. Like. Mm-hmm. Watch this. Watch this tongue. Yeah. <laughs> and she was like, all right, bye then. So uh the next thing that happens is that Gideon is counting his money when Eric and the crow uh, show up at the at his oh. store and he's talking shit through the gate at uh the at, at Eric. Uh Eric rips open his gate and quotes Ellen or quotes Eric Allen Poe to this nigga. Edgar Allan Poe, sorry. Suddenly I heard a tapping as of someone gently rapping, rapping at my chamber door. You heard me rapping, bitch. Why didn't you let me in? So he asked me if Shelly's ring is there. Gideon shoots Eric, which doesn't matter because the wound healed itself. And then Gideon gets beat the fuck up until he tells Eric that the rings are in the back. He goes and he finds the rings in the back. He pauses through them until his memory attaches to the ring. I didn't know he could do this. I want to say this now before we get too far into this. Eric's big move is literally, and Brandon, you could back me up on this or tell me if I'm wrong. Eric's big move in this was literally stolen from the goddamn Ghost Rider. It's the penance he, there. Yes. He does kind of have a penance there. Although, this is the first superhero movie I've ever seen where the superhero is never, superhero is never in any danger. Ever. At all. Throughout the entire film. This is a God Mode movie. Replicated later on by uh, Vin Diesel in Bloodshot. I think, um, you know, I prefer this, though, because I do not, I don't know. I felt like they tried to put in a lot of fights. Like, you know, like, even though he was invincible, he still would take a, take a punch here or there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like I'd rather have that than, like, somebody like almost dying in the half and you know the middle of the movie and us having to see them recover like no he's we just know from the beginning he's about to kill everybody but like no the suspense is very limited until the end and I really I kind of was like okay I can relax and just watch him whoop everybody's ass exactly I'm like but like you said because there's a very clear line of who's bad and who's good here Mm mm-hmm and so Gideon, he finds the, the ring and he's like, yo, each one of these rings is somebody whose life you helped in. And Gideon's sitting there looking all scared and shit. And somehow, for some fucking reason, I don't know why, Gideon has, sitting on top of a barrel drum, like five open cans of gasoline. And so when Eric kicks over the barrel drum, all these, all these cans of gasoline start pouring out across Gideon's floor. Plus he pours it all over the place. And so Eric picks up a guitar and picks up a shotgun and fills it up with rings. And he has uh, Shelly's ring and he's about to leave and Gideon just can't shut the fuck up. And he's like, they're going to liquidate you. They're going to murderize you, you fucking bum. And Eric turned around and says, is that gasoline I fucking smell? Luckily, Eric had already said, I'm not going to kill you because you're going to be the one to spread the message that I'm coming to kill everybody else. Otherwise, Gideon would have died when his whole fucking shop exploded as Eric fires a shotgun full of rings at a gasoline floor. Does this actually work? In this universe, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's it, yes. Um, Darla's boss. I'm worried, but it looked cool. It was cool. It looked great. Wait, wait, but but real quick, why did this scene remind me of the scene from Robocop at the gas station? 
when Robocop <laughs> run up on a meal and he blows up the gas station. <laughs> it's just like, I was like, wait a minute. Is it Robocop? I'm like, well, it is supposed to be Detroit. So I, I see the way Chanel is looking at y'all, and I am not gonna say I just I realized that was a legit reference, though. Okay, because I was thought I thought it was a, it's the fact that they're both in the same place. Okay, sorry. I, I I'm saw I saw the cycling in your eyes, and I was like, nope, nope. I'm mm-hmm. not gonna say anything else bad about Detroit today. I had yeah, I had defense. shit written. I had but shit written after- like a whole lot. But that's Those not us. That's 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 Hollywood. Hollywood has this weird <laughs> relationship when it comes to Detroit for whatever reason. They do. That no, no, because Jay, what you just said was innocent. I'm think I'm still um heard about the eight mile conversation. Eight and miles. I just think it's best if we just you know keep going because we're all having fun, you know. Yeah, mom spaghetti. So um <laughs> Albrecht sees Eric walking down the street and he tells him, don't move or you're dead. Eric tells him, well, I'm dead and I moved, which the fuck? And so Eric asks him if he remembers <laughs> Shelly Webster and then sits down the curb and says to him, well, do you remember, do you know a guy named T-Bird? He had a friend who shouldn't play with knives. You like the coat? <laughs> love it. I love that part. Right. You like the coat? And uh, Albright is like, yo, sit down and Eric disappears as Albright is dealing with looters who are breaking or who are trying to get what they can out of this pawn shop that just fucking exploded. Uh, T-Bird gets- And hold on, the looters were prepared, okay? They heard fireball. They came outside and said, well, goddamn, I'm about to grab a TV out of this burning Mm -hmm. pawn shop. What? Also, the looters were all white, which I appreciate. They always are. I'm just saying. Well, you know, the shop's going to burn down. I, I might as well do something with the stuff. I mean, if a shot burned burning. down around me, I would try and rescue a PlayStation 5. No, all I'm saying is, like, whenever there's looting, there's 75% whites all the time. White yeah, people loot the most. They do. You hear so. that, white people? Leave a review. <laughs> yeah, please. You can at me. You know, we, we uh, Juneteenth just passed. Leave a review. Um, <laughs> so T-Bird got an audience with Top Dollar and tells him that one of his crew got himself perished. I do love the writing style in this movie. I can't mm-hmm. front. The way that they write is damn near musical. He said that someone stuck all of Tintin's blades in his organs in alphabetical order, my nigga. Like, what? <laughs> um, and then Grange is like, yeah, and Gideon shot burned down. Mm-hmm. Top Dollar's like, I want to talk to Gideon, find out where the shot burned down. I need to know. Call it an act of God. I need to know. And also, let's have an introspective moment of silence for 1010, which is him snorting up all the cocaine. But in all honesty, let's have an introspective moment of silence for 1010 because he was one of only two Black people in this movie and he died first. Absolutely. I hate when they feel the need to include us in the bad guy group. You know what I mean? Like when it's some bullshit happening and they have a random black character. I'm like, y'all could have been undiverse for this. Mm-hmm. That's okay. You know what I mean? Let all the let all the robbers and rapists be white and then we'll just diversify this extras. I mean, because I really did spend a long time trying to figure out how the fuck did Tintin get in with this group? <laughs> T-Bird don't look like he hangs out with black people. I mean, imagine Tintin, Tintin is, is the killer. True. That it. I'll give you that. Yeah. So, so we all got quiet, like ride, ride. Yeah, just like damn. Um, 
Sarah's riding her skateboard and almost gets hit by a taxi cab, but Eric saves her. And she tells him that she wished that it would stop raining. And he's like, it can't rain all the time. And she's like, Eric? <laughs> and looks up and he's fucking disappeared. Um, and let me see what else. Albright is looking over the case of, El- of Eric and Shelly. And he could smash his uh, co-worker, but he chooses not to. Like, seriously, she's looking at him like, don't what? tell that me. That wasn't his ex-wife? One. No, that's just a co-worker who wants to give oh, him yeah. the yams. You better go after Shout that. out to Jeff. And I her mean, hair was gorgeous. Sorry. She was beautiful. Man. It is Ernie Hudson. I mean, that is true. Like, he did, he was, before he was a cop, he was a fucking ghostbuster. Yeah, that's a real nigga right there. I would have. I would have like, oh, you do owe me one. Mm-hmm. You owe me one right in this break room. Mm-hmm. You owe me one right here. Um <laughs> The next scene that happens is one of my favorite scenes, which is that Funboy and Darla are in Funboy's apartment. Yeah. Shooting morphine when Eric shows up to their window. See, Funboy's thing is drugs. Tomorrow night, I can get high and watch this whole fucking city burn. the listeners who have not yet seen this movie at this point in time fun boy has pulled out his gun and he's pointing it right at eric eric pulls up a chair i just want to make sure y'all know exactly what's happening fun boy pulls out a gun eric pulls up a chair and sits right in front of fun boy who's sitting up with this gun pointed directly at eric or directly at eric's face and he puts his hand over the gun and says then pull the goddamn trigger you have me dead back Funboy is like, you are seriously fucked up. And then he pulls the trigger. Now, here's the thing about this before we go on to the video, because you guys aren't going to be able to see it. And for that, I apologize. Eric has been shot by Gideon. He has been uh, had the cuts on his hands heal at the point. At this point in time, he knows that he's invincible. And also, I think he's figured out this shit doesn't really hurt. But when Funboy shoots him, he still wants to have a little bit of fun with this. So he mm-hmm. acts like he hurts by making big ass eyes and going, ah, ah. Like he's dying, and it is literally one of my favorite scenes in this entire fucking movie. Let's go. 
You seriously fucked up? But you look in the mirror. You need professional help. Bingo! He shouts! He scores! Jesus Christ! Jesus Christ. Stop me if you heard this one. Jesus Christ walks into a hotel. <laughs> <laughs> he hands the innkeeper three nails and he asks, Don't you ever fucking die? You put me up for the night? Jesus Christ, let me stop me. You've heard this one before. <laughs> if I'm shooting at you and you're telling me jokes, let's discuss this a little bit. We'll be back to hindsight after this brief break. In a world, there was one podcast that made all others look like silly little part-time, half-baked ideas that should have been thrown in the trash can after being written down. That's a super long-winded way of saying that Drunk Theory Podcast is the best-kept secret out there right now. They're a bunch of idiots talking about conspiracy theories, and when these four come together, they have the capability to solve just about any question coming their way. But keep in mind, they're idiots, so sometimes they won't have the answer. But we guarantee you'll end up laughing so hard you cry or urinate in your pants. I don't make the rules here. So let Matthew, Kara, Kelly, and Ryan give you everything you never know you needed and more. Only on Drunk Theory Podcast. Available on all major streaming platforms. More conspiracies coming soon. I'm Derek, one of the hosts of Return to Oswald. Return to Oswald is a podcast about the iconic HBO show Oz. And we started it quite simply because my friend Brandon has never seen a single episode and we loved living through his horror. Scar, Brandon, and myself get together every Tuesday and discuss this show episode by episode, season by season. We have great conversations and nothing gets held back. We respect each other too much to lie. And we talk about how absurd this show really is when you look back at it. Like, how long is the time frame in Oz? People are getting executed within like three days of getting there. And why do they show people if they're just going to kill them within eight minutes? That did happen. And why hire so many rappers to play bit roles? Is there a quota? Why is there a direct pipeline between this show, The Corner, and The Wire? Oh, and The Sopranos. We didn't forget about y'all. Also, how does Adebisi's hat stay on? Why didn't anybody ever notice he had a CD player in his drawers? And why won't they put cameras up in that gym? These are all questions we talk about and more. So, check us out. Go to linktree backslash HBORTO to find our latest episode. You can also just type us into your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for checking us out. That's me. Fucking roll model.
Hey, this is Russ. This is Kyle. This is Michelle. From the Infectious Groove Podcast. Join us every Monday for the most fun you can have with a music podcast. The Infectious Groove Podcast uses a positive and fun approach as we take time every week to share our jammy jams, then dig into a thought-provoking topic discussing all decades and genres of music. You can find the Infectious Groove Podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can head to infectiousgroovepodcast.com to find us there and subscribe. We might have a controversial opinion here or there, but we always have fun with it. Oh, I'm sure I'll say something dumb. Subscribe to the Infectious Groove Podcast, part of the Odd Pods Media Network. Hey, y'all. This is Derek. We wanted to thank y'all so, so much for listening to our show. Right now, at this very moment, we'd like for you to go ahead and screenshot your phone, your iPad, or wherever else you're listening to this show, and send it to us on Twitter, at Hindsight Reviews. We'll post it up and retweet it to everybody else, and you could be a part of our family. Also, be sure to leave a five-star review and let us know what you think of the show wherever you listen to the podcast at. Thank you so much, and back to the show. Oh, God. So he drags fun. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying, I mean, it is a great scene, but it's so awkward. Like, just the... I feel like people always underplay the idea of someone coming through your window with a, a weapon. You know what I mean? Like the reaction to that is not just a calm, like get out of here and I have a gun. Mm-hmm. It's very much a, I'm falling all over the place. I'm trying to call the police. Like I'm just freaking out. So I'm always like eh, a little bit campy, but also at the point where he not only comes in, but then he rubs his head around on the light bulb that's that's hanging from the ceiling. Yeah. And then he runs towards him and makes a riff sound with his guitar like, mm-hmm. if somebody runs towards me with their guitar sticking out in front of me in the dark and I don't know what it is, that's when I'm shooting you. Yeah, I'm I mean, and he's like, oh, and then he doesn't shoot me. He goes, oh, bro, don't scare me like that. Like, you almost gave me a heart attack. This is still a stranger in your house. <laughs> I'm high, but I'm not that high. Like, I think I can shoot straight when you're that fucking close to me. Um, Eric, uh, well, Darla gets up and runs into the bathroom and <laughs> Eric, <laughs> who has shot Funboy in the nuts. Funboy has basically shot himself in the nuts. Uh, drags Funboy into the bathroom, puts him in the tub, and then turns to shower on him. Then he turns to Darla, who tried to cut him with a razor, and Eric's like, get the fuck out of my face with that shit, and grabs her arm and forces her to look at herself in the mirror. Again, this is a person with no story, and the way that you could tell there's no story is because Eric grabs her arm and literally squeezes the morphine that Funboy has just pumped into her with a needle. He squeezes it out of her arm. You see it coming back out of her arm, and he says, which is a great line, by the way, Mother is the name of God on the lips and hearts of children. That's it. Yeah, that's well written. And he said, do you understand? Go take care of your kids. Right? He was like, do you understand? Morphine's bad for you. Your daughter's out there somewhere. Go fucking find her. And she grabs her shit, looks at fun boy one more time, cries and leaves. From that point on, from that point in the movie on, Darla has a new purpose. new attitude sorry chanel i know you are not here for the music um no i i i asked if it was a music podcast please keep singing no don't stop on my account it's awkward now (laughs) um so she leaves and her life is forever changed meanwhile fun boy is in a bad place grange sees darla run out the bar as he's talking to gideon who's sitting at the bar talking shit to the bartender and then he turns around and talks shit to grange 
uh, fuck Gideon. So he sees Darla running out the bar. Uh, Darla's boss, who sees Darla running out the bar, doesn't even wonder why the fuck she's running out the bar in her goddamn lingerie. They literally are like, all right, have a good night. See you. Good night, See you tomorrow. Darla. <laughs> also, is the, is the bar open 24 hours? Like, how else would you be able to access your, your apartment? If Bruh, go back to the fact that her daughter's sitting there getting like a, a fucking root beer float. And they see he sees his mother like going up to have sex and goes, I can't say shit. She's not on the clock. So. She's she off. I guess I can't show any leadership as a human being. So I'm just going to. You know, oops. Didn't the police feed you tonight? That's what I heard you yeah. say. <laughs> Somebody got you dinner. I'm going to get you a soda. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, there's no, you're making a thing out of nothing. There's so, no responsibility. At all. None. Right. None. This is Detroit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Grange goes upstairs to Fun Boy's room and he gets there just in time to see Eric literally wave at him. <laughs> And then fly out of a four-story window holding a guitar. And then they he goes into the bathroom to see Fun Boy on shot up with a gang of needles in his heart and also a crow's been painted on his chest in blood. That's a lot of morphine. Now I like this part. Now this part I like because he saw the needle and got inspired. And I like that they're kind of because I was worried it wasn't gonna be a symbolic murder when he put him in the tub. But you know, we end up with him, you know, shot up in this really cool crow formation. I'm like, okay, I'm with it. Mm-hmm. And so Albrecht is at home after this, chilling. Eric breaks in just to scare the shit out of him. Um, and let him know that he's really Eric. Um he also, while he's there, he gets a backstory on what happened to Shelly and him on the day of their death. Because Albrecht tells him he saw the whole thing. And so Eric touches his face. Like we said, the penance there. He touched his face to absorb his memories and be able to see what he saw. And he sees that Albrecht was there for what we find out later was 30 hours straight. Albrecht didn't leave. Um, I feel like this movie had could have built out a lot more backstory for a lot of things that happened. Uh, such as what happened with Shelly and how long Albrecht was there hoping things would go on. And is this the reason? Like, we find that Albrecht initially was a detective that later got demoted to a beat cop. What exactly happened there? Did that Was that in connection with Shelly and Eric's murder? Like, why is him and Torres so confrontational towards one another, like antagonistic towards one another? Jay, you got some? It's alluded to um, through small dialogue but yeah him and Tor- Torres basically is the reason why he got demoted mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's why they kind of had that whole beef throughout the movie or whatnot but it, like you say they don't expand on it we don't get too much about it um I mean fuck Torres but Get at the same money. time it, but at the same time it's like you you building up Ernie Hudson's character mm-hmm. but it's like we're not getting enough backstory about him why is he featured so much in the movie? But what do we really know about him? Nothing. Exactly. All we know is that he's about to get divorced, and that gives um, Eric a chance to tell him um, nothing is trivial. <laughs> right. But like, like, like Ernie didn't even say, I stopped fucking spending time with her, and she wanted to do the little things mm-hmm. with me, and I thought the little things were stupid. He didn't say nothing like that. He's a cop. He's getting divorced. You know what? Statistics show the cops get divorced. It doesn't have to be 
Shelly always thought the little things were, were the best. Nothing is trivial. It's also like nobody get their girl back. So what was the point of that line? Like we didn't, like there was no narrative of this relationship. But um, I do think now that y'all say what, say what you're saying, maybe the illusion was he was asking too many questions about how Shelly died in the tenant mm. dispute. And that would re- go back to top dollar and that would go back to corruption in the government maybe. Like that was it. But Torres would have had to see me because- Every time, if every time you see me, you're disrespecting me, we're going to have a problem. Yeah, you ain't I mean, just going to be an asshole to me for no reason. Every time you see me. And, 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 and not only are you being an asshole to me for no reason, but you don't know shit. Like you're literally white privileging your way through every information conversation we have. You're getting it from me. And then you're telling folks that I ain't shit. You can't do that to me, dude. I have feelings. So this is important to me, and I need to know if anyone else saw this. Did y'all? Okay, first of all, we need to talk about the fact that this man, um, Ernie Hudson, uh, Officer Albrecht, was in his drawers, a shirt, and his cop hat at the crib. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was wonderful. Um, and then they go and sit down in the living room, and I do not know if y'all saw this, but on the couch is a basketball, a tuba, and a football or just on the furniture. Did y'all just, did anybody start to notice the decor in the, in the living room? No, but he's a black man who likes sports and jazz. Let's flesh him out. This we, don't know that he wasn't, we don't know that he wasn't role playing before they came over. And I, But I'm like, that's the movie I want to see. Yes. That's what I'm I saying. I want to see like, the Ernie Sex scene. Okay. okay. What if, what if uh, his coworker had just left? Ooh, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Okay, but y'all are still. But the a basketball. Hey, how are we incorporating they, that? You know how we incorporate the basketball, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Let me take it to the hole. <laughs> uh, do you want me to shoot it? <laughs> no. Do you want me to pass it? No. Do you want me to slam? <laughs> wow. Okay. What would I if, if I wasn't if I was if a guy was like hold on one second I'll be right back he came back with a golf ball I would be like I, I can't do this <laughs> I'd be hey, like this I, is too kinky for me I, what can you do with a tuba girl <laughs> I just tuba's was on amazing. the line is the best girl <laughs> <laughs> just great set design so just wanted to shout out to that person because they put some they they did that for me they did that for me you know twenty years later. So 20 years later, 24 years later, Gideon cannot stop being an open-minded dickhole when he talks to people with weapons. He looks up on Top Dollar and Top Dollar throws a fucking eyeball at him and tells him that this is what happened to the last fellow who wouldn't cooperate with me. But how many fucking eyes does this motherfucker have? Are they in the fridge? Like, where are these eyes coming from? I thought that was a woman's eye in the cup earlier. Like, why is his why is his sister pulling fucking eyeballs out willy nilly? She can because eyes are the key to the whatever she said. Eyes are all, the most all the power in the world resolves resides yeah. in the eyes. What the fuck ever? Like, dude, like like Brandon said earlier, this is like the wet band is leaving fucking sinks open. Like, this is just your you can say this is your fetish. You like eyeballs. That's cool. You also like fucking your sister. At that point in time, you have no credibility in any conversation we have, dude. Listen, 
Everyone has to have a gimmick. I keep telling you that every movie. His yeah, gimmick is I gimmick. fuck my sister and I like eyeballs. That's right. And cocaine. And the cocaine. Cocaine. Listen, they did downplay this though because it's like we through the crow's eyes was Eric's eyes. Mm-hmm. And I loved that kind of thing. Like they were kind of feeding, like they were very deeply connected. So I did like, I feel like that kind of tied the eyes conversation together. But mm-hmm. there, what they missed was. One, they missed using more of the crow allegory throughout the movie of like the Edgar Allan Poe joint. Like that was just a big miss, I think, for me. They only did it once. Well, you know, it's a raven. So they they wouldn't have been able to connect it. Okay, so that's why it didn't make sense. Thank you. Because in my mind, I renamed it. So and so that's resolved. (laughs) And then secondly, um, they didn't have the girl like open up a spell book and explain why eyes were valuable. She just randomly had this view. So I feel like, yeah, like they, they forsake the chance to like dig deeper into some backstory that would have made it seem more grounded but you know I don't know maybe I will in hindsight like this movie but at the moment I was just like this is too many I have to accept too many things to get into this you know so, it's, it's it's oh sorry go ahead Jay no no I was gonna say so two things real quick one about the eyes I've always took that as the eyes being the gateway to the soul mm. so they take the eyes is I guess that's them taking their soul or something I I don't know what these two twisted people think, but that's what I've always kind of conjured up and kind of made that be the thing for them. And the second thing, and Derek, you, you can uh, co-sign this. There's a whole subplot of this movie that's completely erased. Yeah. With the Skull Cowboy and mm-hmm. that whole thing, because they did stop filming. They weren't even going to finish. The oh, movie. yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sorry. I meant to mention that at yeah. the point in the apartment. That's where Brandon Lee got murdered. Yep. Or that's where he was killed. The point where Funboy shoots Brandon what? Lee in the apartment, that's yes. where Brandon Lee died. Yes. How'd he die? So they had a gun on the set that was supposed to have blanks in it. Oh, no. Yeah. No. Yep. Yeah. Wait, are you for real? Like yeah. the, safety, the safety crew... Uh, was supposed to check the gun and they checked it and they thought it was all good. Uh, but the um, hold on one second, I'm gonna go straight to it. I'll just go, it's in the trivia for the crow, and that is the exact moment where he died. And at that moment, once he died, um, Fun Boy never watched this fucking movie up until he died in 2016. He never watched the film ever. Yeah, he, he was he was messed up, he was yeah. messed up after that, he felt real bad. A, a scene required the gun to be loaded, cocked, and then pointed at the camera. Because of the close range of the shot, the dummy cartridges loaded had real brass caps and bullet, but no powder. After the cut, the props master, not the arms master who had left the set for the day, dry fired the gun to uncock the pistol, which knocked the projectile slash bullet into the barrel of the gun. The next scene to be filmed involving that gun was the rape of Shelley. The gun was loaded with blanks. And when Lee entered the set carrying a bag of groceries containing an explosive blood pack, the script called for Fun Boy to shoot Eric Draven as he entered the room, triggering the blood pack. So he actually died during the sexual assault scene. Mm -hmm. The bullet that was stuck in the barrel was blasted at Lee through the bag he was carrying, which killed him. The footage of his death was subsequently developed and used as evidence in the investigation into his death. And as part of the lawsuit settlement, the footage was later destroyed. Oh my God. Yep. 
So yeah, I didn't he, know that. he died during oh. this film, which only led to the mystique behind it because folks were like, did you hear he died during the making of this film? Bruce Lee's son died. And this is before so Google. Sad. This is before the internet. This, this, he, you know, and, and, and when I was 14, I was like, well, if he died, then how they keep screening, how they keep shooting the film. Like you think they shoot it when you're a kid, you think they just shoot it in order. But they did all the other parts, and then the apartment was one of the last things they did. And then they used his voice, and they used body doubles and all that kind of stuff to try and cover up from that point forward. Yeah, they CGI'd his face over the body double. So there are certain scenes where that's not really him. That's actually a body double with his face CGI'd over. Yep. I wish y'all hadn't told me that. <laughs> I'm hey. from... Yo, yeah. it's 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 a part of the movie. It is what it is at this yeah. juncture. Um, so you know. Oh, so that's why at the end it's like for Brandon and yep, that's someone else. Wow. Yep. That's crazy. That he's in heaven, like bitch. If y'all don't cut this, shit, take this shit off streaming. I don't give a fuck about that movie. Like, <laughs> he's Yo. like, I don't want that movie dedicated to me. Real talk. But. You know, it, it 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 is what it is. I'm trying to think about what, what I would want. I feel like I would definitely want um, my surviving people to sue everybody who touched that set. Like, I want <laughs> niggas in jail behind me. Well, I mean, like, like we don't know what happened with the uh, set, with the uh, person, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the arms master and the props master. But, yeah, Michael Massey, the guy who played uh, Fun Boy, he had he he stopped acting for a year uh because he was so traumatized by the incident his next film was only a small role in the movie seven the brad pitt movie morgan freeman movie really well both of them um but up until his death in 2016 like i said he never watched the film he couldn't do it which is to me like even more heartbreaking because of all the work you put in and you're just like i i every time i see this i'm just gonna cry this is gonna also, kill me inside. I, I think he said too that he was having like he had recurring nightmares about mm-hmm. it, like over the years and everything. So yeah, he's like even though you you didn't do it on purpose, but the fact mm-hmm. that you know for the rest of your life, yeah, yeah I killed, killed Brandon Lee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I killed him. So mm-hmm. <sighs> so the next thing after uh we talk about how all the power in the world resides in the eyes. Gideon, who nigga, you are literally. Do you when 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 do you not talk shit? I gotta respect his moxie, his gumption, because he's talking shit all the way up to management. He didn't punk out in no yeah, part. His, I gotta give him that. Is, he got a hand cut in half, and he's still talking to talk all the way up. Everybody who sees me gonna see this voice. I may not be able to throw hands, but I can throw my voice. And so this nigga tells uh, top dollar. The top dollar is literally out of his mind which isn't the best idea in any circumstances, but it's definitely not the best circumstances when allegedly insane person is walking over to a cabinet full of swords and shit and has just thrown a fucking eyeball at you. I mean, an assortment of swords from all over the world, basically. Like, this is nice. (laughs) (laughs) And Gideon didn't get the memo, though, and continues to denigrate his sister. Mm. 
which is confirmed at this point. It's my half sister. Don't you see the resemblance? Same dad. Don't you see the like, resemblance? That's not funny. As he Don't kisses, I see the resemblance. That's racist. As he, as he kisses his sister on the forehead and on the cheek and sits right next to her, like, ugh. Um, he also tells them what Eric told them to tell him, which is that they're all going to die. They just don't know it yet. And that his name is Eric Draven. And they call him two twisted fucks. And then he gets stabbed in the throat and shot. I mean, literally gets stabbed and he goes, excuse me, can I borrow your Uzi? Thank you so much. And your Uzi pistol. It, it was like a, 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 a poozy. <laughs> and, was... and shoots him twice for no reason. And then goes back to embracing and kissing on his sister. Mm-hmm. No, but he said, he's like, oh, we just die already. Because <laughs> he's still like, <laughs> well, you stabbed him in the throat. You literally just did it. <laughs> That's not fatal, bro. Like, give him one second to bleed out. I can literally pull this sword out and then bad things will happen to me. But as long as the sword is still in my throat, I'm cool. I'm trying to breathe around what you did to me. Why are you shooting me, bro? Why'd you go get... Like- what are you mad? What did he do again? That was so wrong. Like, what was the just the fact that he let his place get burned down? No, well, he was talking no. shit. What he did that was so bad was that there were some yep. ancestral just motherfuckers. Like everyone else. <laughs> okay, he kept talking shit. He was just yeah. talking shit the whole time. Y'all some nasty bitches. The two of you, I see you. Wait, why you getting <laughs> yeah, a sword? I know I'm a child molester, but this shit. I Not might be cool. a saprophyte motherfucker, but at least I ain't motherfucking my sister. Wait, what's the sword for? <laughs> You're literally the woman is still in your bed that y'all had a threesome with. This is not rocket science, fam. Your sister is showering with the door open so you can see your ass cheeks. I don't like an open loft shower. That freaked me out because I'm like, bro, like, where's the toilet? Yeah, yeah. Wide open, everything. No. Also, his entire place is above this club. So where's the, is this a, is this like a studio apartment? Where's the fucking meeting room being, where's that located at? We see that later. Is that downstairs? Like, how's this all work? Um, Eric is doing a rooftop concert in the rain with an electric guitar with an amp, but there's no plug out, less to be seen. Um, and Sarah is talking and listening to It Can't Rain all the time. The crow flies away because the crow, like we said, is Eric's eyes. And so the crow flies away and focuses its attention on T-Bird and Skank, who are walking down the street, talking about how long it took to put this whole thing together. What whole thing? What exactly, what took a long time to put together? What are we doing? I thought this was Devil's Night. Again, what is the plot of this movie? Revenge. You thought that I, you thought this was gonna be a love story, didn't you, Chanel? You thought this was gonna be me, like, yo, this movie's great. I, at the end, I literally was like, why is there so much time left? I was just like, I just feel like this is like, I just feel like we're we're dragging this out at this point. Like, are you at? Are you gonna kill the boss level or not? You know, so we. Uh, T-Bird and Skank are talking about how long it took them to put this whole thing together. And T-Bird, or T-Bird is kind of mourning 1010. At least T-Bird is reminiscing about 1010. I don't know if he's mourning him, but Skank says straight out, 1010 was a dick. <laughs> Which made me laugh. Because this is his one chance to say something after T-Bird pulled a knife on him in the fucking bar. 1010 was a dick. Um... 
T-Bird also no wonders where Fun Boy is. Skank thinks he's probably still banging away on girl. Is that how people sound in Detroit? <laughs> just, like, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just asking. I don't, I don't. Okay, I'm sorry. Say, I, I missed that part. I was upstairs. What is, no, is what how we sound? Is, is, is do folks in Detroit? I'm not scared. I'm Go getting ahead. it right now. Do uh -huh. folks in Detroit sound like skank? Um, the white boys on drugs, do yeah, sure. Probably still banging away on darling. And there's well, there's like we do have a certain twang, like we do sound country to some people. Um, so I will say there's that, but then like white people in Michigan are a whole different breed. He sounded like Boomhauer. <laughs> I mean, he was just on one. Like that's the other thing. He was tr he was tripping. Like he was on he was running around back and forth. I'm like skank. Like I can't even understand you. So. I don't know. T-Bird sends Skank into the liquor store to get some smokes and road beers. Don't drink and drive, kids. But while he's waiting for Skank to come back, the crow lands on T-Bird's nice-ass T-Bird. And Eric teleports, I guess, into the car and tells T-Bird to drive. Skank so what is Eric's power set? What is his power set? I don't know. I don't know. Like, was the car unlocked? Is this one of those things like nobody's gonna break into my car because I'm fucking T-Bird? Because I thought all his, I thought all his bullet wounds healed up, but when he left Ernie Hudson's car, the, the fucking chair was red. Oh no, the chair was red because of him laying on the table with all that blood flying all over the place. He was laying in people's blood when he was doing all oh. that, you know, moving around and shit. That's what I thought. Oh, because okay, later yeah, on, they the asked him. He asked him, he was like, I thought you were invincible. And he was like, I guess not after the crow gets shot. Um, Skank runs out after T-Bird getting driven away, you know, as T-Bird's driving away. He's like, what the, what's this happy horse shit? Which I still use as a sentence. And I didn't realize where I got it from until I saw this movie again. And a driver of a car of a rabbit hits Skank. And he gets out of the car to yell at Skank and assault him for hitting his car. You stupid ass hair! You hit my car. That is you hit a my mix car. of that's a Michigan, but also a New York more mix. That's a New Yorker who moved to Michigan. That is not necessarily a Detroit thing. What he did not expect was for uh, Skank to whoop his ass and tank his car. <laughs> Definitely wasn't prepared for that. He wouldn't get out that damn car if he knew. Big ass muscle motherfucking you stupid ass hair, you hit my car. What you need to learn how to do before you talk the shit is learn to fight. Because now you done got beat up and you got robbed for your car. You could have said all that from inside the car as well. You could have, because there's a crack in the window. You could have just said it through a windshield. Sir, why are you in my way? And then drove off. Back up and run him over if you want to. I don't give a fuck, but don't get out the fucking car. It's yeah. devil's night. <laughs> um so he rolls off after T-Bird, who's bargaining with Eric, but, you know, you, you can't bargain with vengeance. I'm sorry, I didn't say that right. Mm -mm. You can't bargain with vengeance. And nailed it. T-Bird looks in Eric's eyes, and he recognizes death when it's in his face. So he quotes Paradise Lost again, and he gets sent down the pier with a car full of explosives that go splody. Because he really likes fucking arson. And then Eric traces a crow out of lighter fluid and lights it, which makes a beautiful crow out of fire. Yeah, that's when he had me. I was like, oh, that's, I like that one. That was dope. That was dope. Also, how was really good cool. was that lighter fluid? How long did it take him to draw that perfect crow? That's, that's what I'm saying. 
how long did it take him to draw the perfect crow in the dark with the lighter fluid that didn't rain, that didn't fade away in the fucking rain, and then blazed up that high? This is, I don't think, personally, I don't think this is a time for y'all to start breaking stuff down and trying to make it make sense. I feel oh. like we skipped a lot of things to get to this point, oh. and we should just let it be what it is. Because that part was so cool. I was like, all right, cool, I'll take it. Yeah, and shout out to T-Bird, who was the leader of the Rogues and the Warriors, um, and probably moved to Michigan for a better life after getting his ass whipped by the Gramercy Riffs. <laughs> Warriors, come out and play! That was him. Yeah, he's been taking L's for a while. <laughs> he had to leave New York and move to Michigan so people wouldn't recognize him. He and then he realized it's it. shit wasn't sweet there either, and he was nope. like, well, I got it. Suburb Livonia, here I come. Uh, so Grange goes to Eric's grave and sees that it's open. Sarah wakes up to see Darla making her breakfast and literally, basically, goes and tells Darla to go fuck herself. Like, you're trying to be a good mother now, Darla? <laughs> like, I understand. I understand where Sarah's coming from with this. Like, what the fuck is the trick here? Like, the fuck are you yeah. doing? Like, you're not after, because kids who are abandoned like that, but mm -hmm. I feel like the worst abandonment is the abandonment where you still play in my face. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, if you're abandoned and you're just gone, I never hear from you again, it's almost like, okay, that's just, you moved away, you gave up on me. But if you're abandoned and I see you and you come through whenever you feel like it, we actually have a bigger problem because now you're, like, disrespecting me. So I fuck with Sarah being like, why, why are you here? Mm -hmm. Oh, why are you here? Okay. And Don't then you being, got to fuck? Yeah, she's like, mm, you're not high right now off your ass. And then she's like, uh, and I realized like, oh my God, this nigga not just took the shot she just took out. Like he cleared her of addiction. Like he like mm -hmm. unmorphine her whole, ass. like that was a gift. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, so she's cooking eggs in a robe looking clean. And that goes back to what the fuck are Eric's powers? Mm -hmm. He literally just cured her of addiction to the point where she shows up the next day looking like fucking Breathless Mahoney and Dick Tracy. Wearing all white and oh, I don't remember how you like your eggs and all that kind of shit. Like I'm, I'm, I usually I'm saying this shit facetiously, but she looked two steps away from fucking Madonna when she was in the kitchen making those eggs. That is a glow up for your ass, and mm -hmm. it's all within the span of one night. You gonna tell me that in that house, this woman who's literally been rolling around in dirt with Fun Boy has that spotless ass white robe somewhere? You gonna tell me that this woman <laughs> leaves? from being a nasty greasy spoon bar waitress who's getting licked on the shoulder by Tintin, 10, and she leaves from that place and comes home to a fucking spotless ass house where she's wearing all white with a daughter who's been living there by herself for forever. The daughter who literally crawls through fucking broken windows to go to an abandoned fucking tenement building to see her dead friend's loft. They live in a fucking brownstone like the fucking... You know what? Cleanse their soul. You know what? I ain't got time for this shit. As Darla's about to throw <laughs> the eggs out the fucking window, Sarah runs up and stops her and says, I like my eggs over easy. I like them over easy. And the bridge is being rebuilt. Oh, oh wait, you missed, you missed. I like them over easy. Mom. Mom. That was it. That really nailed it for her. That was it. She was like, let me try this. She called me mom. <laughs> the power of love has been unlocked. <laughs> and so... The next thing that happens is that Taurus fucking is always late and he goes and uh, he shows up at the fucking fire of, well, he shows up the next day at work and he throws a fucking folder on uh, 
on Albrecht in front of Albrecht and he's like, yo, who the fuck is this? We couldn't even ID him because his face was fused to his fucking dashboard, which is like, <laughs> damn. Mm-hmm. Albrecht t- takes one look at it and he's like, he's 10-10. Don't you know anybody in your fucking district? He's Wait, um, he should have zagged. No, no, no. That's not 10-10. That's no, that's T-Bird. T-Bird, T-Bird. T-Bird, T-Bird yeah. yeah, that's T-Bird. Don't you know anybody in your district? And uh, Torres is like, keeps antagonizing him so he can get more information from him so then he can build his fucking case. That's literally what this is. Him leeching off the black man. Mm-hmm. Torres gives a good case or gives a good speech about what he thinks happens and Albrecht's like good good speech I didn't want to stop you and Torres like you know what welcome to the first day of your suspension which is like can he do that that's what he would have had I would have been like suspend you got to suspend me all the way because I'm about to whip that ass you got to sus- suspend these hands yeah I'm a grown-ass man okay <laughs> you better <laughs> hit sleep mode me. on these hands because they coming they what 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 and just you know mm-hmm. hit him once and then leave just once that's what i'm saying i it, yeah he was just talking way too much shit for me and then it's like i hate people with that like that um what's his name oh i'm not gonna remember but he just that like adult acne i i it's torres. like it makes yeah torres has an adult acne it makes him way worse like worse of a person mm-hmm. i'm thinking oh eric roberts he, he has an eric roberts face mm. i just wasn't happy with him I mean, I called him Tupac. That sounds like a compliment. No, it's not. It's how many pock marks he literally had. Oh, po- okay. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, that's better. One pock, two pock, three pock, one. <laughs> Your pock, he's pock. No pocks. Torres got all of them. None. Yeah. Sorry. Eight miles. See, you wouldn't have caught that if you only watched the last eight minutes. Exactly. So. Um, Shelly goes back to their old apartment complex, which is all boarded up because, and like we said, so they just let this beautiful Victorian go to rot. Um, and I don't understand why that happened because they ran up in the apartment complex with a petition because she said that it was a slumlord house. Why the fuck do they care unless top dollar was the landlord? He was. This is a conspiracy. And this is where I think Lopez, what is his name? Would you say? Torres. Torres is involved because um, it's like, why are you concerned? Oh, because he also mentions that like Devil's Day is about raising profit. So I think he's like into real estate or some shit. I don't know. But, but, but here's my question. And Jay, maybe, maybe you'll have some insight on this one that I don't. If Top Dollar's the landlord, why would he stop making money because of the one couple that he literally attacked to make sure that he doesn't stop making money? Hmm. I got nothing. Like he literally attacked them because they were signing a petition that was raising up all the rest of the renters in the, in the, in the building up against to, to strike against a landlord. Well, you just killed them and scared everybody else into not acting. That's what Albright said. So why did you close the fucker down? It didn't burn. It was all good. Yeah, I'm confused because now you're getting no profit from it because no one lives there. Exactly. And it was a big ass Victorian. Why did you close it? Why do you care that they died? Like, you should be like, I can understand him keeping the yellow tape on that to remind people to be afraid. But the rest of them fuckers? Oh, no, it's like the Carter in New Jack City. Y'all can't leave. 
you're gonna keep paying me out. And that's what I'm saying. These these holes are why I'm so confused by this movie. Like I I think I feel like they wanted it to be a vi- like a, there's a bigger villain at play who's mm-hmm. like moving all the pieces. But I would have been okay with the whole revenge hit on the four, you know, the bad guys, and that was it. Like I didn't need him because it was like him taking him down eventually didn't translate to me to like a safer city or no Devil's Night or whatever. Like they didn't give you the news scene at the end of like there's been no Devil's Nights for the last ten years. Like there was no right. It was just the bad guy was just there and. So, yeah, Skank's the last one left, and they bring Skank into a into a meeting with all the rest of the guys because Gideon is told top dollar that Eric Draven is going to kill Fun Boy, Tintin, T Bird, and Skank. So, what does Top Dollar decide to do? take Skank into a room with all of the rest of the people that are his business associates? Yeah, his delegates. His delegates? His 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 henchmen? I don't really know, but if you don't want them to die, I would have thrown Skank out. <laughs> and said, like, oh, he's luck, coming bro. after you, huh? Yeah, good luck. May the force be with you, dog. Like, seriously, like, I don't, I don't know exactly what you want me to do for you, but he didn't say he, did he say top dollar? He didn't say top dollar. Did you say my sister? Do he know about me? Do he know it's me? A, it's a it's a pride thing. Because when Eric got in there, he says, "All I all want I want is him. him." Yep. And he's like, "Well, you can't have him, bitch. Why not? All I want is do, <laughs> do y'all hear what I'm saying? Thing. Do you hear what? I, let me re-say this to you because maybe you missed it. All I want is the meth addict. Mm-hmm. Y'all can watch me kill him if you want." But after that, this is the part that pissed me off. So mm-hmm. after Eric kills Skank, because Skank is like, that's not, I'm not Skank. Skank's over that's there. Skank's great dead. Great move, by the way. Great right? move to say, I, it looked like me, but that's not me. It's him over there. <laughs> it was a great gambit. It was like, when I saw that this time, I immediately thought of Cotton from fucking Dodgeball. That's a great gamble, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off. Um <laughs> It didn't. He got thrown out the window. But once he gets killed by the by Eric, Eric goes back to his fucking grave and he tells Shelly, I'm done. I'm coming to see you. None of this shit had to happen. I told you who I'm coming after. I told you from the very beginning. I told Gideon to tell you. I told everybody to tell you. Did you, did, to quote another movie that we're going to talk about later on down the month, did you not read the email? So here's the thing. Uh, Top Dollar is bored. <laughs> He's, He's really bored. bored. He don't got shit to do. He like he feel like Devil's Night is played out. He wants to inspire the troops to do something more. I feel like that's all it was. He was like, oh, okay, bet. Like, because he does say, like, I had fun. You put a smile on my face. Like, what type of shit? I mean, he tells everybody, like, they're like, yo, we need to go do Devil's Night big. And he was like, nah, Devil's Night is played. So we need to do a really big fire for Devil's Night. Like, what the fuck? That's contradictory. And right. then Micah says some stupid shit like, I like the pretty lights. It was like, <laughs> all the henchmen was like, we can't say shit because we don't ask his girl slash sister. We, but that was awkward. <laughs> we just heard that your man slash brother stabbed somebody in the throat and shot them. 
for saying that y'all were weird. So we gonna do an awkward laugh at you while you look around all like, why are they laughing? I'm being serious. I do like this. Yeah, that's what she was confused. (laughs) She was like, what? That wasn't a joke. And I'm like, huh? So uh, Eric murders everybody other than fucking top dog Grange and Micah. All I wanted was him. I'm standing on the table because I'm pointing at him. All I want is him. You could have held him like you held me and I could have stabbed him right through his heart and I would have walked out. Y'all could have fucking got, what What the fuck, what the fuck did I eat in Detroit? What, what's, what's, what's the good local restaurant in Detroit? Whatever it is, y'all could have ordered that and burned down this entire fucking city. I don't care about none of that. All I want is that motherfucker right there. Instead, Top Dollar goes out and finds Sarah, takes her hostage, takes her into the fucking uh, cemetery's bell tower, and a fucking shootout starts. Where they kill the crow, or they try and kill the crow, the crow is shot, he shoots fucking Brandon, he shoots Eric in the chest, Eric thinks he's gonna heal until he doesn't, it's like, oh dang, falls out. Albright shows up just in time. He's like, I came to pay my respects in just the right moment of time. And uh, shoots a flare and then shoots Grange, who has a fucking scope on Eric. A shootout starts. Grange gets killed. Albright, who's like, yo, I'll protect you. You stay with me this time, immediately gets shot in the chest. And so he has to stop. That upset me because I'm like, you are a trained police officer and you know she had the drop on you. Like she's at a higher elevation. She's higher elevation. She's looking right at you and you're trying to get a side shot at her. You're completely exposed. Like that was, I was mad at him because I'm like, you just sacrificed yourself for this white people business. That this not nothing to do with you. Nigga, where the fuck is your vest? He was on suspension. Well, nigga, where the fuck is your vest? Nigga, if you wearing your hat at home, you have a vest at the house. <laughs> And don't don't play, Jay. All of us have the pins from our office. We're not cops. So I know he got some 50 cent vests at his house. Nigga, where the fuck are your vests? Lift up your shirt and show me your Glock. Where the fuck is your vest at? It's like Chanel said. He, I mean, it's that, you know, the black guy got to sacrifice himself for the white star. No! So, yep, got to take, take, take the bullet. He got to take the bullet. Yeah. You so mad. So he continues on. He goes upstairs. He is a cop, though. See, he had to do the cop thing. Then look, look, look. Okay, he was on suspension. We're going to back up a little bit. Sure, he was on suspension, whatever. But the motherfucker was on suspension with a fucking assault rifle shotgun. Right. Fucking Glocks. He came loaded up like the niggas, and I'm going to get you, sucker. But he didn't have a vest. Where you get the rest of this shit if you got suspended and where the fuck's your vest? Yeah, I mean, the thing about that is he it's not even like he took her out too. So like, it was worth it. You simply got shot. Mm-hmm. And she's up there talking shit. Like we could have had so much more time so much if, if, if you hadn't, if you had to just, you know, I know that, you know, if, you, if we kill the crow, we kill you. I wish we had so much time and the crow represents all the power you ever had. And now it's mine. Um, and she cocks back her gun and she's about to shoot Eric when the crow literally attacks her going for the eyes, which is apt as fuck. Did the crow question. know? I got a go question. For- yes. If the crow's not dead, why did Eric lose his powers? That's the question. Wounded? Because at the end of this whole thing, the crow flies back down and lands on his gravestone like ain't nothing wrong with it. 
Was it wounded and that was it, or does the crow heal? How can the crow give Eric healing powers, but he can't heal himself? How can the crow fly, but Eric can't? Well, well actually, y'all are now y'all are saying. <laughs> okay, go back, go go back. Okay, after that whole shootout, and Eric, you know, he runs after the cops literally shoot him, and he mm-hmm. <laughs> runs out the bed, and he's he's roof jumping, roof jumping, parkour. He, he yeah, right. He does that whole jump from way up top. To, but it's like, how is he able to do that? It's the crow, man. The crow gives him whatever powers that are convenient for him at that time. The, yeah, that That's we took that like. part. Yeah. That part bothered me. This nigga was jumping over leaps and bounds. Like he was very, it was very Superman, Batman energy. And I was just like, also, how? also, also, can I put this in there real quick? I just mm-hmm. want to say this real fast. Crow. This ain't your first time at the rodeo as far as, you know, probably bringing folks back for revenge because there's four fucking crow movies that come out after this, mm. which means it probably happened before this. Is it always the same crow? That's the first question. The second question, does the crow not know that you should not be? Why the fuck are you always on his shoulder? Do you not know to hide yourself? I know as a crow that all of your powers are actually coming from me. So while you go in there and you kick ass, I'm going to fly in the fucking sky 100 feet above everybody. Yeah, I'm not in the building with you like in the trenches. But you see, this is where I feel like that whole subplot with the soul <laughs> cowboy would have made more sense because I, I, I feel like he was supposed to be more of letting the audience know like how his powers worked by talking to him mm-hmm. but we don't get that so now, we're just kind of stuck with the crew i, I do want to say this for the listeners because y'all have heard skull cowboy twice now the skull cowboy is a spirit that serves as somewhat of a guide for the crow he's a guide for all the souls in the land of the living that find themselves in limbo before his scenes were deleted in the initial film, he was supposed to have scenes to be played by Michael uh, Berryman. In the television series that happened, he was played by Kadeem Hardison. So a big ass thing that would have been an important thing to talk about in this movie that would have made things make sense. Nope. They deleted all his scenes. So I'm back to my original theory, which is that the crow is a messy queen. And she was like, look, okay, am I going to help you? Sure. But you're still like, I'm still letting you get a little bit of an ass beating before we're done with this. Like she just kind of set him up a little bit and she enjoyed herself. So uh-huh. I stand the crow ultimately. But he, but, but okay. You could be a messy motherfucker. I don't mind. Don't get yourself shot. Don't just, can you fly? But do you, she, do you but, fly, bro? I don't even know if it like I don't know what happened, but clearly she was fine. Like I feel like she was that was just you know part of the game. You know what, Eric? You just thought you had too much power. So boom, I took him all away. I'm good though. I'm good. Matter of fact, I'm gonna still leave you with this power. So she he goes up on the roof and top dollar uh is throw throws Sarah off a fucking ledge because Eric says if he lets Sarah go, then I'll surrender. And so Top Dollar throws her off a fucking ledge, but she's hanging on for dear life. Wait, I forgot to ask this question. How old is Sarah? 12? 14? How old is this child of the night? 14? Yeah, I thought she was like 13, somewhere around 14. 
How yeah. old is this kid who's literally sleeping in the fucking graveyard? How old is this kid? I think 12 to 14 is a good range. Okay, oh. cool, cool. Because cool. she can't drive. You know what I mean? She's not 16. That's I thought, you know, I thought so Darla was going to be a better parent, but nope. Sarah's sleeping in the fucking graveyard, so I had to ask these questions. Well, she does say that she has to sneak back in, which means that all of a sudden she has a watchful mother who gives a fuck where she's at. So she snuck out to wait for him in the graveyard. Eric should have been like, take your ass um, But He definitely Eric had and- lost his, his eye was off the ball at that point because he was like, hey, girl, what you doing? Like, he didn't care. Take this <laughs> like, necklace. You got yeah. this. Uh Top Dollar uh, takes advantage of Eric going to looking at Sarah hanging off for dear life uh, and Top Dollar stabs him in the gut. Uh, he then takes this time out to start monologuing about how the thing that happened with Eric and Shelly the year before was his call because nothing goes down the city without his say-so. Really? So I'm, I'm, I'm still thinking he's a developer. Oh, like absolutely. He told them to blow up arcade games. He literally... T-Bird came back and said, arcade games fell down, went boom. I think at that point in time, top dollar was going to pay lowest dollar to acquire this burnt out husk of a place on Devil's Night. He probably took buildings on Devil's Night that got burned up and blown up by his henchmen. He bought them up and then became a slumlord at a low price. See, we've already built a backstory. That's better than what they had. I think what it was is like somebody heard about the concept of, of Devil's Night and then was like, ooh, how do we make it like intriguing? Because mm-hmm. they feel like the, the real concept isn't enough. So it's like this villain who money and greed is a reason behind Devil's Night being started, which I think is kind of interesting. Um, it, it's, it's more interesting in my head right now than it was how they played it out. But like this idea that this whole thing that's a cultural phenomenon started from one man being greedy and getting people together to, like you said, flip um, flip property. So that works for me in my head. Also, uh, after he stops monologuing about how nothing goes down without his say so, he's about to stab Eric. But Eric grabs his face and shows him 30 hours of Shelly dying all at once, which stuns Top Dollar. Like, if Top Dollar's the bad motherfucker that he's supposed to be, he, he should have laughed. <laughs> I did that. <laughs> 30 hours? <laughs> Nigga, forever. He showed him all at once, and Top Dollar was stunned, I guess, and fell to his death. Here's my question. Was Eric able to pick and choose when he did that? Because he told Albright, don't touch me when he was reaching out to console him earlier, but he hugged Sarah and didn't transfer shit to her. Maybe Sarah doesn't have enough pain. Maybe she's pure of heart. Like I said, this is the move. This is literally the penance there. Yeah, because it seems like um, maybe when it first happened with Ernie Hudson, he took too much on and by then he learned it like mm-hmm. it seems like he adapted to it and then he was able to be like oh i, I got this now let that, me give it to you that makes sense that does make sense that he's able to control the powers better as he goes on because he's new to all this stuff because at the beginning he wasn't able to do stuff about the midway when he was talking to fun boy he's laughing about getting shot and all that shit because he knows he can re regenerate and all that so that does make sense um anyhow after eric dies or after uh, Top Dollar dies, I'm sorry, Eric falls on the Shelly's grave and calls her name a few times, and then he dies? I don't know. He's he's already dead, so uh, Shelly comes back dressed in all white. This is her only role other than the flashbacks. 
Shelly comes back dressed in white to escort Eric back to the land of the dead. Um, and Torres shows up late as usual to talk shit to Albright, who survives his shot. Um, and then the crow perches on Eric's grave uh, because it healed itself and gives Sarah Shelly's ring. And that's the end of the movie. I was mad at some of the directoring choices, like the slow mos mm-hmm. and the like slow fade and then just cut to something because they had Shelly like, cr- like cradling him, and I really just felt, and maybe it's OCD, but I was like, I want to see him lay back down in that grave, and I want to see, like, I want to see it finish. Like, I don't want to see him laying next to her. I want to mm-hmm. know that this nigga is back there and he's done. Like, um, I just felt like I, I hated that that was missing at the end. Although I think that was just me. This is going to fuck you up even more. Um, where'd Shelly come from? Was she a vision? Because her grave was untouched. Was she a vision of his leading him to heaven? And how was it that the next day his grave was completely un... Completely unbothered. Unbothered. Yeah, back to normal. He got back to normal. The crow did it. Okay, I can live with that. Yeah, yeah, the crow did it. The crow was laying... The crow stood on the dirt for like five hours, pushing the dirt back into the hole. Y'all don't want to help me? Kaka! Kaka! <laughs> None she of y'all. Plan. She, she's, she's a powerful bitch. She did that. Uh, Chanel, who was the MVP of this movie? Honestly, shit. Brandon Lee for giving his life for it. Like, I did not know about oh. that. And after, th- I mean, that really fucked me up. But after that, I would say Ernie Hudson because he really carried it with his uh, character who I would have liked to see in a different vehicle. But um, no, he was, I-, I would say, oh, what am I talking about? The Crow. The Crow's an MVP. Her. <laughs> Sorry. We stand. Uh, Jay, who you got? Uh, I'm going with Tony Todd, Candyman himself. He's the MVP because mm. over the years, I've actually built up a backstory about him where he was a jazz musician that just like, eh, it ain't working out. So now I'm going to become a, I'm a henchman or whatnot because he was the coolest dude in the movie. I, he was like the glasses. So I, I wanted those glasses and I don't even wear glasses, but <laughs> I walk up to my wife sometimes and, and lean in closer and be like, why don't you come by later on? Check me out. He has a jazz voice. Definitely. He had a drip. Everything about him. He was dope. And then he turned into fucking, was this before? This is after Candyman. Yes, after the first one and and everything. It's like, because I've never seen him in another movie like this. Right. Like he just the coolest dude in the movie. It's like, but I mean, it's hard to not be the coolest dude in the movie when you're surrounded by an incestuous relationship and a bunch of meth addicts. But he was just so unbothered by everything. Like, <laughs> how many times has he probably seen top dollar stab somebody in the throat with a sword? And then grab his poozy and shoot him in the face. And take it back. I actually think he might have dressed himself for this movie too, because like nobody else was dripped out the way he was. Like he, he was, came with the glasses. Yeah. He yeah, he knew what he was doing. Yeah, he's like, I'm not wearing no fucking ripped jeans or shit. What the fuck is wrong with y'all? You better get some, out of my face. Some damn bleed. Uh, dust a coat or whatnot. Right? And I'm sorry, Chanel. I know that this is your city, but it really, this whole movie really did look like they all stunk. Except for... Again, it was not my city. It was shot in North Carolina somewhere based on Google. So you... <laughs> Wilmington. Would... Oh. Yeah, give Wilmington that heat. Thank wow. you. Wow! Okay. I, uh, Wilmington... Detroit I'm does just not saying. stink in most... When it's not trash day, we're good. 
No, I'm just saying, like, all the people in this fucking movie look like they just didn't wash their ass. Yeah, but there's also another cultural yeah. uh, detail that brings them all together that I would think would be would be more of the reason why and not the place where they live. And that's all I'm going to say. Brandon, who was the MVP? Crow. Okay. And I'm sorry. And you got to – you are you are being racist against God. People, people who dress in black. No, not at all. Not at all. But none of them. None of, no, no, I'm not. Because mm-hmm. honestly, none of these bitches were goth. Right. The only person who was supposed to be goth was Eric. So Eric looked. Eric definitely was. Was I mean he? If he doesn't smell like rotting flesh, then I have no idea what he should smell like because he was literally dead for a year. But I feel like the only other goths were Top Dollar, who look who did we know he bathed, yeah, and then the homegirl who we saw take a shower, Mm -hmm. and then you know Candyman came through like freshly pressed. So everybody else who was not goth were the stinky people in my opinion. Yeah, and they looked like the nigga was literally. I don't. I oh my god. Okay, so I'm picturing Tintin wearing his vest. (laughs) his i just graduated from eighth grade my mom said i could buy whatever outfit i want leather vest with no shirt underneath it looking like the fucking lead singer of cameo with a duster on that jacket had to smell like armpit blood and bad dreams and mildew because he's standing in the rain with this fucking duster on this whole fucking movie oh my god it's just making me itch thinking about i'm gonna say something that's controversial but i feel like that is pre-blade I was gonna say I felt like it was pre trench coat mafia. I mean, either way, it's just like I'm I'm fucking with a, a black man with locks down his ass and leather and no shirt on. Like I that I actually like. It worked for me. I, I just have to say that I have to I have to come out and just be honest. It worked he, for me. You know, he got his ass whooped, but you know. Oh he, no, that part no, but the fit, like the fashion was it was on part. Let me see. Did he do anything else? Yeah, he was, in, he was in Hacker. He was in Hackers the year later. Oh, that's dope. Ninety five. Yeah, and he was in, in The Good Wife. See, yeah. what I like to do is see folks like years Wait, later. Wait on, let's look this up. He's been in a lot of stuff. Actually, he was in Daredevil. He was in huh. Ali. He was in the Blacklist. I'm gonna go watch him on the Blacklist. What's his name, the actor? Um, his name is Lawrence Mason. Good looking dude too. Bald. Well, shout out to Lawrence Mason, okay? Because yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. I just want to see what he looks huh, like. As, nah, as a good one. He, he looks he looks good. I'm watching him on, um. they got a picture of him on IMDb and they got a whole video of him as an FBI agent. He, I would he, never in life know that was him because not seeing his face with no hair and like limited facial hair that he looks like two different people. And with light. Mm, yes. Yeah. The whole movie was, you know, yeah. the brightness was on 10%. Dark as fuck. So... Yeah, I'll say that the MVP is a crawl. I'll give that to her. She did that. Real niggas do real things. Um, Let me see. Was there anything else? Nope. So, Jay, uh, I know that you, well, this is an evergreen show. So, Jay, you got anything coming up? Uh, Yeah. So, right now, uh, it's July. So, I I titled this month uh, on my podcast uh, Wild July. I started it off with uh, the Tomorrow War the Amazon Prime movie. That's mm-hmm. up right now. Uh, next week I'm releasing an episode with me and uh, Jeff. We're doing True Romance. Okay. So so that's coming up. 
So yeah, I got some I got some crazy movies that's coming out this month. So. I love the crazy ones. Chanel, what you got coming up? I, uh, as I said in the beginning, I'm working on this improv podcast. The title of it is On A Podcast, and that will be available at some point in the future. Um, and then also anything else will be on ChanelCreating.com. And then, Jay, we forgot to mention that we were on an episode of Bad Meaning Bad or Bad Meaning Good with mm. Jeff, who we keep speaking of. The, the inaugural episode. It yeah, was we bad. that shit off. It was, it was bad. I don't, I don't know how y'all <laughs> even debated that shit. It was bad. Well, if you want to see for yourself, go listen. Yeah, go check te- go check it out. Watch the movie Blown Away. It's available uh on Voodoo actually, uh, which is my primary source of movies. Uh so check out Blown Away, not the um movie about Liam Neeson. It's and 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 Tommy Lee Jones. It's the movie uh with the Corys, Corey Heim and Corey Feldman. Um and Nicole, and Nicole Eggert. Eggert. Yes. Uh <laughs> and and uh, I also like to call it the rules and regulations of Canada. Listen, can y'all have me back to talk about a Liam Neeson movie? Because you just mentioned the man who I think is, I have no idea how he's still in movies and how anyone watches him in movies. So I would love to just discuss Liam Neeson. You mean the one who said he'd love to take a pipe and go beat a nigga's ass? <laughs> Emphasis on nigga. Like, yes, he was looking for, he was looking for anybody could have caught it. The man who's really not even really a great actor, but is in this old ass man. Anyway, just have me back is what I'm asking. I got you. I got you. <laughs> he was once upon a time. He was, he was good once upon right, a time. Right. Yeah, he used to be a Jedi, but then he went to the dark side. <laughs> right. Oh my God. He was. Yeah, I he started go. playing the same character in every movie. Mm-hmm. So. You find a you find a role, you stick with it. Brandon, you got anything coming up? No, I don't get it. We're gonna talk about Fast Nine, me and you. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, I can't wait the to purge. talk about 29-year-old Dom in 1986. The Purge, and um, I gotta watch that Tomorrow War movie too. Okay, so I want to say this about the Purge before we watch it. I really did enjoy the Purge. Um, and and watching it and watching the one before this one that had Daniel from Insecure in it. I realized that I need to go back and watch the first couple ones because the purge is all about the tyranny of rich white people and also the tyranny of poor white people. It's really just poor. It's really white people are the villain, which I'm here for. And I didn't know that at first. So I need to go back and watch them because that's dope. Absolutely. Also, speaking to you white people, if you know that you're the enemy and you want to leave a review to make up for it, you can go to... podchaser.com you can also go to apple Podcasts. uh you can go to stitcher the cool thing about going to podchaser though is that you can leave a review for the episode or for the show as a whole or you can leave a review for separate episodes which is really dope um so if you want to just leave a review for this episode and talk about how you felt about chanel and jay being on the show and how wonderful they were go for it knock yourself out um also um you can email us at hindsight reviews r-e-v-u-e-s at gmail.com uh chanel is on twitter at chanel creating there's no underscore right it's just chanel creating uh and that's c-h-a-n-e-l this will be in the show notes uh jay is on twitter at the jay giles and also jay movie talk and giles is g-i-l-e-s not g-u-i le like the fighter on street fighter don't get it twisted uh brendan's on twitter at that cool blick nerd that's blk um the show is on twitter at hindsight reviews r-e-v-u-e-s and i'm rashani 
we also have a thing on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, you can join the group there. It is facebook.com backslash hindsight movie reviews. Um, and you can become a patron member at patreon.com backslash uh, single simulcast, or you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com backslash sscast. Thank you to everybody who's been supporting the show. We greatly do appreciate it. Uh, we'll holler at y'all later. Y'all be good. Peace. Music for Hindsight is Coffee by Cambo Smith, and it's from the Free Music Archive. This is Single Simulcast. Don't know by now that you slipped.